In a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend, this is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Cow thievery. Greetings, lookers. Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Look for that red hen icon. And today we'll be discussing a movie called November 2017, which is a drama, fantasy, horror feature film currently streaming on Canopy and Voodoo. Isn't this movie just like real life? You long for that strapping young Hans, but you end up with Endel the Pigman and Sauna Chickens. <laughs> and with us today, uh, with me today, I am here with my distinguished co-hosts who are likely talking behind my back, so let's join their conversation already in progress. Hey, gang. Hey. Hello. Hey, howdy, howdy. Pull my mic down so I'm not blocking my face. With us today is... She's simultaneously credible and incredible. The anomaly, Cat Ramirez. Hey, y'all. Just like I'm always real with my friends and family, I always keep it real with y'all, too. As always, grateful to be here. Grateful to have you. Thanks for uh, hanging out late into the night. We're doing a slumber party style again. And the provocative one and current who Dundee Award winner and reigning champion, Mr. Devin Schwartz. The on his game. <laughs> Jeez. Yoda style. Oh, man. Drunk Yoda style, even. <laughs> <laughs> and my good friend, the incendiary, James Pepe. Hey, everyone, it's me. And, you know, I always suspected that Latvians had asses for mouths. But uh, I, I, I'm glad others think that as well. It's not just me. <laughs> and only poo poo comes out. Yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a good quote. That was a, that was one to remember. And the irrepressible gentleman, Jim Scott. Hey, Jim. Hey, and welcome, gentle listeners and friends. There's a rundown you asked for. I may have expanded some areas that you weren't prepared for. Great. But I think... Faxed that to everyone on the distribution list. Uh, sure. Do you want to look at it first? Do I need to? No. No, no, I just want to make sure we have the same format. Got to get that format right. And uh, our boss, Charles Miner, just demanded a rundown. And Jim from the office just handed the dossier to James Pepe. So let's see what James Pepe has for us on November. Take it away, James. Yeah, so I got saddled with trying to describe this movie. Uh, yeah, so this <laughs> is a... Uh, um, 
this is I would describe this movie as a sort of romance folk horror in the vein of the witch. That's probably the closest analogous that people would recognize. Um, directed by no, so this is an Estonian movie. I don't know. I haven't seen many Estonian movies, but uh, if this is anything like what they normally put out, I they did a pretty good job over there in Estonia. I think. Uh, directed by a man named Rainier Sarnet. Uh, written by him too, but was based on a book. So I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but Andrus Kivir Ach, something like that. Uh, and the book was named Old Barney, aka November. And I'm sure that has some cultural significance to Estonians that I have no idea about. Yeah, they they're hip to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also yeah. I guess um, so. I guess the sort of main upshot of this movie is star-crossed lovers. I guess you could call it. There's a there's a boy who falls in love. A boy from a poor village falls in love with a rich baroness, uh, and he uh, goes through many trials and tribulations trying to woo her, while the girl from his village, who is in love with him, um, uh, is is going through similar trials and tribulations trying to catch his eye. Um, and lots of other fun things happen in between. <laughs> Definitely fun is one way to describe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, this this movie was was nominated for a slew of awards. Although I don't, they're mostly sort of Eastern European film awards. I don't, I'm not super familiar with any of these, um, to be honest. Um, but they were. It was nominated for a few. Um, well, it was nominated as the sort of Estonian pick for best foreign film for the Oscars the year it was. Um, year was released, but it didn't get chosen. So, but it was within. It was sort of in that in that running there, and it you know it showed at Tribeca. It showed at a, a I guess a New Mexico film um, film festival and some other like I said Eastern European film festivals. It really sweeped the Estonian film festival. Just took on everything. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Estonian film and TV awards. It ran away with it. Um, but I don't mean to. I don't mean to 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 put this movie down. It's a, it's it's filmed incredibly. It looks incredible, and there's yes. lots of cool stuff going in the movie. It's acted pretty well too. I, I mean, it, it, I it's good. It's a it's a good movie. So I don't mean to uh, belittle it by saying. By no, saying and didn't it didn't it win something or someone won something from Tribeca for uh, cinematography? Or am I mistaken? Or did you not come across that? Um, it won a jury award for best cinematography. Yeah. Okay. And um, oh, it was go. nominated okay. for best international, uh, best international film. So that's almost like a round robin tournament. Then they the, all the countries have to toss in their movie, and then someone probably decides, you know, the five or whatever that get into the category, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had I have to imagine this was the Estonian front runner. <laughs> Um, but it, yeah, I mean, oh yeah, that's that's a tight one right there. Yeah, right. I don't I don't know exactly how the Oscars at least does their foreign films because like clumping in the all the rest of the world besides the United States basically into one category seems to be giving the rest of the world pretty short shrift. Yeah, that's um, kind of what I was getting at. It's it's kind of crazy how they have to whittle it down like that. I'm sure. Yeah, especially yeah. if this is the one they're cutting out. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, this is a quality film. And I mean, to, to sort of underscore that, uh, on, on Rotten Tomatoes, um, 
The Tomatometer has a rating of 96%, which is pretty high for Rotten Tomatoes, although the audience score is only 75. So, Don't you mean the tomato meter? Yeah, the tomato meter. I, I, I have no idea how one pronounce. I mean, come on, it's a made-up. No, uh, yeah, it's all made up. Cool, so I'll give it a couple of registers. It, it sounds like it picked up a few awards, so... Bring it up, Estonia. Put it on your mantle. Yeah, man. Uh, at the Baron's house, please. You don't want to get all that mud and crap all over it. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Um, okay, so before we uh, get much further, though, uh, it's time to figure out who done it. That's right. We've reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Winner with the most correct guesses at the end of the series will win a Who Dundee Award. Um, I'll just can I just jump in first here and say that if this isn't Pepe who chose this, I'll eat my hat because this has Pepe written all over it in my book. Um, yeah, there's even like fart scenes and stuff that was reminiscent of Lighthouse and chewing and, and uh, but the black and white stuff and just kind of something I've never heard of being actually I'll jump in and say I thought it was pretty awesome uh, the movie so cat uh, if this was you you really did a number on me because I'm just I'm ready to actually eat a hat if I'm wrong but uh, Devin let's jump over to you since I'll, I'll try to make it fair for everyone else I was just pretty certain on this one so um, I do think that there is a distinct possibility that that Cat being very angry at me for winning every uh, season chose a particularly <laughs> out of the box film just to fuck with us and 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 hope you know probably hoping it would come up earlier when it was a little harder of a choice. But right. uh, I do agree. I think this is Pepe, but I will also be um, quite surprised if it is a, a cat pick. Will you be eating a hat? Surprised though? Uh, not quite. I'll eat like a, a visor. <laughs> How about that? All right, all right. Half a visor. I won't hold you to the whole thing. Those things are filling. Okay, cool. So, Kat, clearly it wasn't you, so who done it? You have one I choice. Think it's, <laughs> I think it's Pepe. Um, not only because he's the only other choice, but because this does remind me a lot of uh, The Lighthouse as well. So, um, I think, yeah, for sure, this is a very Pepe movie. Yep, I'm with you on that. But uh, someone may disagree, Pepe. Yeah. Uh, so I, um, <laughs> I think this is Cat's movie um, uh, because uh, I think I think that this movie has a lot of things in it that Cat might choose a movie for. I think it has a lot of things to say about the power dynamics between men and women and old old the older generation and the younger generation um, and. Uh, yeah, sort of how those things interact and how um, those dynamics are uh, changing. So I could totally see this being Cat's movie. Well, I hope you're right. But uh, let's get our last uh, vote here. Gentleman Jim Scott, who done it? So <clears throat> I'm with you, Ben. We're two peas in a pod. I am beyond certain that it is Pepe. And if it is not, then I'll eat that same bar of soap that that guy ate. I think it was a bar of soap. It was sitting by a bath. <laughs> yeah, right. Was that a? I I didn't know whether what that. I th I think it was supposed to be a piece of butter. I think that's what it was, but it may have been a I bar of soap. So. But then butter, why butter wasn't was it? rare enough. 
But then again, why was it? Why was it hanging out by the bathtub? (laughs) Don't you butter up before you bathe? (laughs) Uh, uh, Somebody was somewhere in that movie. It was either pig fat or something. They were greasing themselves. That was interesting. Yeah, the lycanthropy scene. Right when she's about to, you got to butter up before you. uh, sprout uh fur your fur pelt apparently yeah it, it puts a lotion on his skin <clears throat> in this case jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay um so uh so i think pepe you ran away with the most votes in fact didn't everyone vote for pepe except for so, except for me yeah yeah okay so um pepe it's time to face up and tell us if you've done it or not <laughs> yeah it was me <laughs> <laughs> we got it don't you well, don't you people who guessed me last week feel like fools now though because <laughs> this was the ultimate pepe choice but let yeah, me give you your oh, correct guess good job guys that yep. is correct <laughs> we done it apparently um yeah. but now that we know who done it it's time to ask why done it Okay, so how on earth did you come up with this uh, movie, November, James? Um, you know, I I don't remember where I first heard about it, but I came across it um, at the beginning of the pandemic. Shutter was doing a like thirty day free trial during the beginning of the pandemic because I think. At the time, it was early enough that people were like, oh, yeah, this will be over in a month or whatever, you know. Um, and it was on there. It was on It was on Shudder. And so I watched it on Shudder uh, when I had my free 30 days. Um, and, did, yeah. Did you watch a trailer first or did you just jump right in blind and, and go for it? You know, I, I don't – I don't remember – I don't remember why – or how I first heard about the movie. It might've been from another podcast that I listened to um, called the flop house. And at the end of it, they're, they're another movie podcast. And at the end of their, each of their episodes, they recommend, so they, they talk about bad movies, but at the end of their episodes, they recommend a movie that they liked. And okay. I might've heard about this movie from them, or I might've heard it from a friend, uh, you know, my friend, none of you guys know him, but I'll shout him out. My friend, Eric's, maybe it was him. Um, because he's Latvian and, uh, oh, I can confirm, I can confirm ass for a mouth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's uh canon then. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So it might've been, I, you know, the more I think about it, it might've been him that recommended this, that, what was his name again? Movie. His name is Eric's, Eric's. Uh, like Eric with an S, and his Eric's. dad's name is Egon's, like from Ghostbusters. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they're plural. Is that a Latvian thing? It must be a Latvian thing. Yeah. 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 Maybe Eric's is a good name for a band. I just want to throw that out there. Maybe oh, Eric's. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Eric's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It'll just but I confuse mean, uh, people into going to your show. So grab it. Grab it while it's hot. But I think that, but the, I mean, the reason I chose it is because, so I think that once one starts to like invest time in watching a lot of movies, one sort of looks for movies that are unique and that they think has things in them that they haven't seen before. Um, But that in a certain sense, seeing a movie that has something in it that they've, that you've never seen before 
isn't that high of a bar. Like anyone can do that, but right. to have that and to, and to do it in an artistic and interesting way, which this movie does, um, I think is really something to get excited about. And that's why I really, really like this movie. I think it's, I think it does, I think it does the things at a very basic level that movies are supposed to do, which is sort of like take you away to a place that you've never imagined and like plop you down into this world that you've never seen. And I think that this movie definitely, definitely does that. And then, um, it not only does that, but I think, uh, is sort of enthralling in other ways. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a strong, strong opening case. And I, I'll say I agree with you that I actually really love this movie, but with a couple of caveats. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think there are a few, there are some, some weak, weak parts to it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's really the movie's fault or if it's just the dynamics of the thing. Oh, my son's joined us. Um, so I. I did add what the bleep that I just watched um, as a category, as future possible category after watching this film. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, the other thing was just because it was a foreign film and I'm not used to watching stuff with subtitles. No! I'm not used to watching stuff with subtitles that um, it took me. I actually watched it twice because I was a little distracted the first time and the second time and, and figuring out kind of the world and the mythology. Cause it was kind of so bizarre. It almost took like hearing it twice and seeing it twice for the story to really sink in. That said, I love this movie and I think it's masterful. Um, uh, but you do have to catch it in a mood where you're ready to commit to paying attention. No iPhones. Right. And, um, you have to, be willing to cross the threshold of bizarre. Speaking of, of subtitles, actually, I had a, a issue watching this. I paid for it because my canopy subscription is still weird, but uh, the platform I watched it on had like a lag with the subtitles. It was literally almost exactly long enough that someone could be reasonably typing it live, like on like the other end, like typing out what they're saying. And there were scenes where the dialogue was happening so fast that I would just miss whole things that people said and would have to like rewind and like have try to get oh, the line to catch up. It was a, uh, yeah, it was a pain. But, you, um, you've mentioned subtitles as a, as a tough go for you as well. So was this, how were you going into this? Were you feeling positive or were you kind of, yeah, I had a trouble, uh, a little trouble focusing. Also, the program didn't automatically turn subtitles on. So, like, at first I was like, am I not oh, supposed no. to know what yeah. they're saying? And I was like, no, I probably, they're talking a lot. I should probably know what they're saying. And I had to rewind. And turn <laughs> right, subtitles. Yeah. I was like, it's one of those foreign films where you're, like, not supposed to understand them. And that's part of it. But, yeah, no. Can I say their um, language, which I think, if I'm mistaken, I think it's Finnish or something. Their language reminded me of the elf language from Lord of the Rings. I think it's Estonian. Is there a language, Estonian language? Okay. Oh, I think so. Yeah, Estonian, yeah. Okay, yeah. Very beautiful, beautiful language. Yeah, it was interesting. It was sort of like, it almost sounded to me like a combination of like an Eastern European, like a German, and like an uh, almost like an Asian dialect. There were some sounds in it that reminded me of yeah. like Japanese. It was very strange. Um, and I'm yeah, not sure, it was very but... Interesting. Sorry, I sorry for that. I, I'm not sure, but I... I think that the Baron and and the kind of upper class people um, were actually speaking in German because they were like yeah, the German yeah. overlords at the time. Right. Okay, yeah. so that's right. Yeah, I was like, that sounds definitely more German. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but generally in terms of subtitles, yeah, I, I find it difficult. If I have the option in like an anime or something, I, I tend to watch dubs just because I tend to have a hard time splitting my focus like that. And so trying to keep up with reading and watching at the same time is difficult. This film wasn't as hard just because it's, it's, there's not a ton of stuff happening on screen all the time. It's not like an action packed anime where like you're trying to focus on the action and also trying to read what's, what's being said. So it wasn't as, it was, didn't detract as much. I don't think from this. Okay. So it's more of an anime thing then. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Listen to you adding up. What did, what did you think cat? Um, yeah, I definitely had the reaction of like, what did I just watch afterwards? I did mm-hmm. actually have to, I kept, kept wanting to watch it late at night because I'm like, oh, it's like a, you know, a thriller horror, that kind of genre tends to be something I want to watch in the dark. But yeah. I had to attempt it twice because I kept falling asleep and not because of the film. It's just, it was totally on me. I just, it was too late at night, but um, I definitely had to kind of watch it twice as well and um i'm glad i watched it twice the second time because i was able to kind of get it a little bit more and understand it a little bit more but it did take me a, a while similar to the lighthouse to kind of get into the mood of the movie um and yeah kind of understand what was going on so um yeah it, it's definitely a very interesting movie for sure um <laughs> there's definitely things that um you know i don't think similar to lighthouse as well that it's something all audience members are going to necessarily enjoy or understand so i definitely think it's complex in that in that sense um and so it, it's kind of be it's going to be one of those movies that i feel like either you like it or you don't that's kind of my takeaway from it yeah, I agree. And as someone who also watched it twice, I agree with all your points there. And you have to be in the right mode um, to receive the movie. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was a foreign language and you just have to kind of... I'm not used anymore to having to just lock into a film, which I think is probably like one of the great things and arguments for still like going to the movie theater you know, and watching films there. Because you're definitely, it puts you in the right mindset. Um, so I imagine watching this one in the theater might have been a lot easier for me uh, to get in one go, I should say. But, to, oh, real quick, I'm assuming none of this, none of us had seen this except for Pepe. So let's just get that out real quick before I go to Jim. Anyone who's seen it before, raise your hand. Okay, so none of us had seen this before uh, except for, for James. Okay, so Jim, what were, what were your impressions of November? So a lot of what was said was definitely my experience. I'm in the same boat as Devin. Um, Canopy has, you know, let me down a couple of times in the past. We've had movies and that, and that's okay. You know? Um, so the same, the same thing I rented it on, uh, you know, uh, uh, Voodoo. I think that was probably the same service that, and, and the same thing in the beginning when they were speaking, I was like, you, you know, cause I've seen movies where they speak in a foreign language in the very beginning. And then it cuts They're like either trying to show you that yes, this is a foreign country. And then they cut to English basically being yeah. superimposed as that language, or, you know, it's just that little bit. And then it, it goes to, you know, English speaking. So I had to turn on the subtitles as well. Um, but is, but that's cool because that whenever I have to 
put on subtitles, then pretty much that's the bell ring for this is going to be a foreign movie and that I have to pay attention not only just to to the words to figure out what's going on, but try to key in on the culture. Um, you, exactly. You know, it, and that takes a special type of attention. I was excited starting this movie because I seen that it was uh, fantasy horror. So already that, you know, that reminds me of Pat Pan's Labyrinth, right? Any anytime it's fantasy horror, it's Pan, Pan's Labyrinth-esque, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there were parts in the movie that I really found funny and enjoyed. But overall, I didn't really enjoy this movie. Um, and, and that's okay. And I don't want to really belabor the points over, you know, uh, why I didn't enjoy the movie. I mean, I'll state them as we discuss. I really want to know from you guys that did enjoy the movie, why? Because I, I, I also, throughout the movie, was like, what the hell am I watching? You know, so there was some confusion there, for sure. Yeah, it sounds like you had a similar reaction to my first go-around. And then mm -hmm. having, and, and this is important, an important point you brought up having like seeped myself in the culture the first run uh the second time mm -hmm. i it was like i know what a crat is i know what these ghosts yes. are i know yeah, you know right. like i understand the chickens in the sauna like i you know the, 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 all that stuff oh, i man. understand who the baron is and and what the class divide is and the plague pig and like, so I understood that stuff. So when I watched it again, then I was focused on the story, right? And that's when the masterfulness of this movie revealed itself to me. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't effortless on my part. But I will say that it was worth the investment because this is maybe my favorite film we've watched yet. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. I really, really liked this one. I used to go to the library when I was a kid, back when going to the library was a thing. And I loved checking out folklore books. I would just check them all out, you know, and read through them. And so this is like right up my alley as far as like that. It felt like that, like, oh, what's this Estonian folklore thing, you know, and just took the deep dive in it. And I ended up like actually taking a bit of a dive and looking up Estonia and researching it a bit. And this is in between viewings. And, um, uh, you know, here's a little factoid that was uh, uh, interesting and relevant uh, to the film in this, this. Let's see if this lands with you guys. So the ancient Estonians became some of the last European pagans to adopt Christianity uh, following, I don't know what this is, Livonian crusade in the 13th century. Uh, and I wrote, it shows, because the way the, they looked oh, at Christianity was through the lens of paganism. Yes. Yeah, wasn't that great? Oh, I loved, I loved all that, that stuff. Oh, I loved it so much. Jesus bullets? Come on, spitting out the... Oh, the yeah, Jesus yeah. bullets, the magic gold. Oh, yep, man. the magic gold. Oh, yeah, just their understanding of, like, Catholicism. I think it was Catholicism. Yeah, through the lens so. of, like, these, like, th th that kind of pagan, like you know, witchcrafty stuff was just fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, I have uh, a, go, go ahead. I'll I was going to say, when I, when I picked this movie, I felt like it was, I kind of, I kind of knew how different people were going to feel about it, except for you, Jim. And I thought that you might, 
you might enjoy this movie because it is so much a fantasy folktale. And so much of the stuff that we, that you and I read, we read a lot of fantasy, we watch fantasy movies, we play fantasy games, and so much of that stuff comes from, I mean, like if we had seen like Baba Yaga's hut in this, I know that's a different thing, but you'd be like, oh, okay, Baba Yaga's here now too, you know? Um, and so I, I thought to myself like, well, maybe Jim will like it because of that stuff. And maybe he'll like be able to, he'll find an entry into this movie because I don't, I don't necessarily think this is an easy movie to get in, to just sit down and watch on any old day. Um, but yeah, I thought that, I thought that some of that, or I was hoping at least that some of that stuff might appeal to you. I'll even go so far as to say that um, I probably would have never seen this film had it not been for the show here, to yeah. be honest. So I'm very yeah. grateful that, that, and that's been true several times. So uh, once again, this has been a thing that I am able to, it's like the well, I keep pulling from the well here. And so that's that's awesome. I also, I would say, I would bet that Jim, if you watched it again, having kind of, like I said, had a similar experience at the first watch, you might be more pulled into the story part of it. Yeah, I I agree. I definitely agree with that point, Ben. I had only I only seen it one time, um, and I did cue in on the fantastical elements. Um, it, it's just watching it the first time. It felt like because I liken things to other things. I mean, you yeah. know, it, it's like echoes of other things. And I, for some reason, like Lord of the Rings was, was in my mind, but mm -hmm. instead of taking the journey to Morador, they're just meandering around each other in the village. You know what I mean? And there's no, like, there's no clear, we're going to throw the ring in, you know, Mount Doom or, or whatever. There was just, we, you know, a bunch of different things going on. And I, and I, and I definitely think that there was some confusion there. Cause I was, I was trying to do everything in that one uh, uh, sitting. I was trying to place the culture, which I'm not familiar with the Estonian culture as at all. Right. Um, uh, geographically, I can place it as uh, it used to be part of the USSR, and it's on the western front um, of Russia. So I can place it towards like Eastern European, like that type of, which I really enjoy. That right, the old castles and the mm -hmm. romanticism, and there were um, just to touch on a point. Um, just because I didn't enjoy the movie overall doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy the aspects and the interesting things like when the village girl is going to shoot the arrow. That reminded mm -hmm. me of Conan the Barbarian when Thulsa Doom shoots the serpent arrow. You know what I mean? And it, and it was an interesting take on you want to win the love of your life, right? The other, you know, village, the, the village boy. And so you're deciding to kill his love interest that's a really interesting take to get somebody to try to like you, you know? yeah so but yeah. can i can i just say i really love that you're talking about how you saw other movies in this movie because i was doing that the whole damn time mm -hmm. i saw stuff like the seventh seal from igmar bergman uh clockwork orange for the random craziness and kind of the rapiness yes. that was in there yeah. um Obviously, uh, Pepe mentioned Pan's Labyrinth. I definitely saw that. And uh, Jim then, like, mentioned that. Oh, was it Jim? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. You had meant. What did you mention? 
Pepe. I, I think you said Starcross Lovers, which reminded me of Romeo and oh, Juliet. Well, th um, yeah, that was the big one. That that's what, especially at the end when the girl walks into the lake. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, this definitely. is Ophelia. Okay, yeah, this is yes, Romeo and Juliet. right, exactly. Ophelia, many Shakespearean tragedy. It follows the tragedy uh, um, structure yeah. to a T. Yeah. By the way, we'll talk about that more. But it also reminded me of the '60s and and the way uh, like Twilight Zone, the original series, was shot, where they they don't like lean, they don't go for like crazy digital effects. They went for a lot of practical effects, which rely on like clever, careful staging to pull off. And oh, you know, whoever just, like, was uh, and such, whoever was puppeteering those crats was that was incredible. Those things yes, moving I around. Loved all oh that. man. When, There's when the something film... like real that I like grab onto with that stuff that I just don't with digital effects. I guess we should say what a crad is. A crad is like a golem, but they like made it out of like farm implements and they're really striking and creepy. And yeah, yeah. Um, when I when the film first started with that opening scene of the crat, oh yeah, so great. the cow, like I I was I mean I was laughing out loud. It, it was hilarious, and I was like, is this just going to be like a weird macabre Muppet movie? And I was like <laughs> so invested and on board for this like weird fucked up <laughs> Muppet movie, and then it just wasn't that. And I was like, um, okay, I mean yeah, sure, there's more crats, but it's like every scene in this movie that had a crat in it, 10, 10 out of 10, perfect film, no flaws, absolutely perfect. Every <laughs> other scene, zero out of 10, unwatchable, didn't oh, like it at all. I'm going to call out a habit of yours, Devin, that may, that might help <laughs> you in the future. I feel like when you go into a movie, you get your first impression and then you're injecting your ideas into the film and then get let down when those ideas don't uh, surface. Is that, that's, is that a yeah, honest, that's definitely that something I could do. I, try, I mean, I definitely try to take take films on their own merits and, and like avoid that but um it is a tendency that i have that i like kind of form expectations ahead of time or, or if i could get you on a roller coaster moment. you'd probably be like oh man if this roller coaster does such and such and then it'll be like a letdown <laughs> not not as like a serious accusation or whatever but i did notice that and so but i do like your idea too i would have totally been on board with the with the crat movie especially all, crats, all the time yeah, that was. I love those things. Um, they were like droids from Star Wars, almost. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and they, but they had tude also. They were like, they were, they were like straight from the nineties, like, yeah, <laughs> spitting up oil and like giving their masters going cows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. work. Well, they yeah, were can also... I just say that? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say real quick. Even the crowds were human. Like they were farting and peeing and doing that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. They yeah, uh I would just I just wanted to say that um opening with that crat scene where it helicoptered the stolen cow away, that was maybe the most salt I've ever seen doused on an audience like right at the beginning of a film, which I love. <laughs> what do you what do you have not what do you mean? Well, when you salt the audience, you're like raising questions, right? It's so that they'll stay mm. invested and in oh, watching. Okay. All right. yeah, so yeah. you're like if it's a what the f is going on that's actually a good thing in the beginning of a film so long as you follow up and, and deliver on that promise right you got to yeah. deliver on it but salting your audience up front like that just like raising questions is, is a wonderful way to get your audience uh, invested in the film and this was like out of the ballpark on that like have you ever seen anything so bizarre in the beginning of a film before oh man that opening is so oh god it's so good 
It is. Um, another thing I wanted to say, going back to what Jim was talking about, just because we, I want to add one thing to add, was that I think what caused some dissonance for me in this film, and maybe also what kind of, of triggered this with Jim, is that you have this fantasy world that that is reminiscent of other things. There, you know, there's bits of other things, but the primary thing that I think sets this apart from many, almost all other fantasy stories, is there isn't really a quest happening mm-hmm. in this fantasy world it's like a fantasy world where things are like fantasy things are happening but there is the there the, the what the the hole that is missing is is that central character who is on a quest and i didn't yep. feel like that was really going on it's and that's not what a story some dissonance yeah it's not a story there's stories and there's tragedies and this is a tragedy and so yeah those are typically you know, more I... shakespearean or like the, if you've read some of the greek tragedies it's it's one of those things where it's usually about a relationship uh, of some sort that comes into play and you get closest to success at the midpoint and then everything unravels and goes downhill as it did yeah yeah i mean i think a better descriptor of this movie is probably uh magical realism because you do have these people living their living their like peasant lives these people are like live in abject poverty it's terrifying like they talk about how they survive on tree bark that's what they're eating is tree bark right Mm -hmm. but then you have these injections of their folklore just like made real like when ben was ben mentioned how uh on all souls day the the their dead relatives literally rise from the grave and they walk into town and they have dinner with them and they eat with them and i thought that that, i thought that sequence was incredibly effective to be honest yeah once i stopped flailing like with the what wtf right when i did that a lot especially in the first viewing um once i kind of understood where they were going with that which didn't take too long it it took a second um probably because i was more distracted the first run too but uh can you imagine like it's bad enough like hosting your like uh in-laws or whatever right imagine like having to host like the ghosts as well like oh my goodness (laughs) yeah right yeah no i i i that was my experience too um that like this movie you'll you'll be like okay what's going on and then they'll be like oh these are our dead relatives it's it's all souls day and then they will give you no further explanation and you have to be like okay well is this really real or they or like at what level is this being shown to us right like are they sp- yep. are they imagining these ghosts or are they really these ghosts or what's going on and it takes you a while to figure out okay these really are their dead relatives they all see them they're talking to them they're eating bread and stuff you know yeah and that's a thing and i i and i don't know if that's really a part of the stonian folklore or not i hope it is because it's really interesting but uh, I just assumed that that stuff was part of their their culture. I'm pretty sure you guys probably did too. I'll just say something about the clips, though. This was the part I didn't like, was that it was in a foreign language, so I wasn't sure how to handle the clips. So yeah. what I'll do is, and I, I try not to capture so much dialogue as more like action-y stuff. But uh, what I'll do is I'll set it up a little bit because, you know, unless you speak Estonian, you're not going to really follow what the hell is going on. Um, I wanted to play the ghosts being interrupted. Uh, is this post the ghost showing up on All Souls Day? And there's a couple that kind of reminded me of Les Mis, the couple that always steals stuff, you know, and the, um, I forget master their name. Master of the House. Yeah, the oh, Master yeah. of the House couple. It was like that. So if you've seen Les Mis, that's these guys. And they're trying to like find out where this like hidden silver is, and they're kind of doing it in a roundabout, scuzzy way. 
and they get their comeuppance. Um, I can't, Ben, do you think that that woman was an actress or an actor, or do you think she was just some person they found she in the Estonian me, no, that's, countryside? No, that's legit. That's <laughs> legit, because that reminded me of uh, Nebraska. Yeah, right. Where how they went and got locals, like interesting looking locals to play those roles. And she didn't deliver her lines like I would suspect a full-on actor did. So I think they just went for someone who looked the part uh and like in nebraska they just kind of rolled with the performance yeah Is that, do you agree yeah. i think that yeah, was in think, several cases well i think that um i think that there are some people in this movie that are not actors that are probably locals um but it I, has to, to be me, how many estonian uh, professional actors are there like four yeah They're right, probably yeah. all in this. yeah right yeah um I, but it was interesting to me that I think that because I didn't understand the language, uh -huh. I was not as critical of their delivery or act yep. acting. Totally, it came agree. across it totally came across agree. as way better acted from them than some of those people in Nebraska did to me. Okay, so that's a good setup. So here's what we're talking about. You'll get a little clip of it. And so setup is master of the house couple trying to, in a roundabout way, get some info from the, the ghosts who might know where the silver is buried and what happens. <laughs> oh, they got slapped and then those two ghosts go into a sauna and turn into chickens so. yeah <laughs> i love the like heavy metal guitars that they do in this movie so too it's so perfect usually it's so perfect. i hate that when when they mix uh instruments like that with period pieces like instruments that are from outside but it's worked a couple of times and this one definitely worked for me the tone was just like really creepy you know and severe yeah, yeah, I, yeah, and it, it I, I think it also sort of works to our um, preconceived notions of what, like, what goes on in Eastern Europe. <laughs> Maybe we get all these oh like God. metal yeah, bands right. coming out of Eastern Europe. <laughs> That's right, just like in Clerks, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <From> last week, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, That's funny. Um, that was. That was cracking me up, though, that when they got hit with that horsehair brush or whatever it, yeah, the hell yeah. it was, that was so funny. Yeah, the ghosts <laughs> were just trying to, like, you know, they ate their dinner, which is, you know, the typical thing you do when you come back as a ghost for the night, and then uh, they're going to go take in a sauna, and these guys are just, like, interrupting that, so get out of the way. Um, yeah, oh, man, that that old, that the father, he was so worried about getting the sauna correct for him. And then he finds his, his do-nothing son asleep in the sauna. <laughs> and he, and, he, <laughs> right. and he, he, he gives the, like, quintessential dad line of, like, when the door is open and the air conditioner's on, right? Like, are you trying to cool the whole neighborhood? He goes, you're trying to heat the whole village? Right. Shut <laughs> oh, the man, door so the heat out. <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. There was surprisingly, there were a lot of, uh, the relate the familial relationships like that translated beautifully i thought sometimes uh the sense of humor is a lot different so i wasn't sure the first time going in like the kind of tone especially like at the beginning so i wasn't sure if i'd like wasn't getting things or not but it turns out now all that translated pretty much where they wanted me to laugh i was laughing yeah uh, that opening 
like the whole first, I guess, first act of the film with the the spirits and and the sun and all that, like that honestly felt really grounded to me. Like as, as strange as it all was and like how much of this folklore you kind of have to understand, like I kind of got it as I went along and I like understood the story. And I don't know at what point exactly it started to kind of unravel for me to the point where I was just like, not only just confused, but also like unsure what I was supposed to be like paying attention to, like what, what was important. Cause like mm -hmm. every time she turned into a wolf, it was like, it seemed really important that she's like using some kind of magic, but it's like, she just yeah. kind of spies on her boyfriend. And like, yeah. I, I didn't really feel like, do I need, do I need to worry about this at all? And like, I was just kind of lost as to, to where to put my focus in the Turns film. out you did though. I mean, if you followed the little love triangle thing, that was, those were maybe the most important sequences to this, the story which the which in critical reviews even though they were positive like almost all positive and um this review was positive but they did levy that this the plot was thin uh and i was wondering if that was like because it was lost in, in translation or maybe it didn't even matter um but i thought the plot worked fine for me but um that was uh like a criticism i heard from several people was everyone able to follow the basic plot outline okay well, I mean, I think that I think that it starts. Sorry, I'm going to let other people talk because I can talk plenty about this. Movie, so. I think that's definitely the difficult things about this movie that I had. I kept having the question um, of like, okay, what's the point of this movie? Um, kind of throughout watching it, and it kind of came together for me when you know uh, the guy that she was chasing dies that that whole scene at the end um that to me i was like okay i kind of got it more now like it kind of enclosed the 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 story for me more so and it like like what you said ben it felt like very much a tragedy and then i could see looking back i was like oh, okay this does follow a tragedy um and that's where i can see more of that plot um <laughs> and uh but that's that's kind of the only time i really got it uh, a, a feeling or a sense of, of the plot line. Um, otherwise, it was kind of, yeah, right. like I said, unsure. I was in a similar place, and I put it, I started putting it together on the second view, and like, well, where does this part fit into to the overall story? And like, why is it even there? Why are the old, all the All Souls ghosts there? Um, and what I kind of clicked with me was that, you know, what they're doing is establishing that souls are real. And they are a commodity that you don't want to lose, you know? And so it ups the stakes, you know? If you really establish, like, hey, there's a, there is, like, an afterlife that you have to be concerned for here. Um, it becomes a critical part of the story. Not only interesting, but kind of critical to the structure of the, of the plot. And there's more, more of that stuff. I was kind of having fun doing that the second run. And that's where, when I said it revealed itself to me, I was like, yes, everything fits in so perfectly like it just runs really really smoothly like on a rail yeah you guys uh <clears throat> excuse me you guys talking about how this movie is a tragedy even being keyed on that there's a love triangle going on i just never thought that i was still keyed in i think Devin had mentioned you know and, and it wasn't uh an issue that i had i was hung up on the the fantasy horror element, you know, and I, I think also too, because this is kind of a, um, there's a lot of like interesting things happening, 
But this also had a feel of kind of like a long type of uh, storytelling. You, you know what I mean? Where you just you have to pay attention and they're showing you things yeah. and revealing things. But you got to You got to pay attention. All, all these meanderings of different characters are, are, are happening. And um, I realized that I don't have as much patience as I would like to think I, I have. I was- I was realizing that too, watching this, like, man, I really like, I used to be able to watch subtitled films, like without any issue, really. It was before the time of cell phones though. It's like, okay, you have to like put that shit down, you know? Yeah. Um, But I will say that, yeah, you do have to be in the mood and Devin used this word again. And I think it comes, uh, I think it's relevant here that you have to be ready for them to luxuriate in their own culture and uh, folklore. Because they're like, okay, this is our one chance to like put the Estonian culture and our past out there. So let's just throw every story in that we have from our past and make sure it all gets in there. Because there was a lot. We had werewolves, witchcraft, devils at the crossroads at midnight, invisibility, Mm -hmm. uh, shitty love potions. There's a lot lot going on here. Yeah, the, the love bread. Oh, Somnambulism, man. right? I mean, it's just all yes. in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, the, the kind of plot that I observed in this film was like, there was this fairly, like you said, thin love triangle plot line that mm-hmm. ran through. Like, I could mm-hmm. follow relatively that. The ending still was a little confusing to me. But then alongside that, there was like a bunch of essentially tableaus, like these like small stories about mm-hmm. like, you know, yes. the, the, town, the town defeating the plague, like outsmarting the plague and like them, you know, like the, the guy tricking the devil into making him a crat, like all these small stories that to me seemed completely unrelated. And we're like, it would be very interesting if this was an anthology horror series or something or like like Twilight Zone. And they were just like weird little stories. But the fact that they had to fit into this larger plot left me very confused. And maybe if I watched it a second time, I would understand it. But in I'd my be opinion, very curious if you, but go yeah, ahead. In, in my opinion, it might be a little harsh, but a film that requires two viewings to be good is a bad film. Like I, you already know my opinions of long films. If I have to watch this two hour film for four hours to be able to enjoy it, it's like, that. it's just, it's not good. <laughs> Yeah, I was betting that on the fact that if I had been able to sit and actually focus well on it the first time, I would have caught a lot of the stuff that I missed the first viewing. But I don't know if that is the same for you guys or not. Um, But um, what I will say is that um, I think even from the first viewing, I I caught the sense that there was... uh, some greatness in there i just felt like it was more a barrier of my attention and the fact that it was a foreign film like that immediately puts up a wall a barrier that you have to like breach to really like get it just takes more work so i'm not i didn't detract from that i will say that every character they were careful to give a really great character arc and uh, character arcs are different uh with tragedies what happened with this one was uh at the midpoint the exact midpoint of the film is when the pig plague shows up Mm -hmm. and uh, that's the closest they get to succeeding in the right way. And the funny thing is, is everyone in this town is kind of a scuzzy scumbag. Okay. They're all bad people. They all kind of deserve to die from that plague. Um, except for maybe the two youths who are like maybe more innocent or whatever. 
Um, and so when they made the deal with the pig to spare the two youths and so they can continue on with the with the uh, their culture and stuff and like survive in that sense um and that they would die that that was as close as we get to a happy ending that's how it should have ended if this was a story right but it's mm -hmm. not a story it's a tragedy so um um uh, what's his name uh hans uh while the book while the pig is swearing on the bible that he'll spare the two as long as he kills the rest of them hans grabs a sickle and kills the pig right and so there thus eventually damning himself and letting all the scumbags survive and so but each of those so what i was getting back what i'll get back to is they're all the uh scuzzy villagers um character arcs they ended up all getting kind of what they wanted and it all everything they wanted was bad and they all ended up getting it like every single one of them so they did at least like carry those character arcs through like the the old lady and the priest she ended up like you know, dragging him around on a leash by the end of the thing. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the couple that wanted the silver, they find the silver. They find a dead girl too, which they acknowledge and then move on, like start collecting the silver. <laughs> yeah, right. So it was like, yes, that was a perfect tragedy in that sense. All the uh, good people were dead and all the bad people survived and got what they wanted. And what they wanted was bad and they were scuzzier than ever at the end. That the is a end. tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's well. the The girl does seem the girl does survive at the end. Um, oh, I but, thought that was just them saying she was like kind of talking in her. She was dead, but she was just talking because it was like kind of a thing, like breaching that curtain of death or whatever for a second. Maybe I misread oh, it. I don't know. I well, I thought that her, I thought that the the last line of the movie was was interesting and. and it, kind of a, an effective way to end the movie um but yeah i didn't get the sense that she died at the end but yeah i mean like this is a tragedy in a sort of and like the greek tragedy sort of way where there there are no redeeming qualities everything is shitty at the end <laughs> yeah, yeah and even if she did survive however you read that that doesn't mean she got what she wanted she lost everything right yeah and she's surrounded by these people who have no idea what she wants right no mm -hmm. idea yeah, and they you t some many of them want terrible things for her. Yeah, yeah. So I have uh, two two questions um, that this film brought out, if I may. Shoot. Um, so the first question I have, and it was based on like kind of what we've been talking about. So we know that this is you know a foreign film. It's a, a, a you know a culturally Estonian, <clears throat> and so you know a. a we're trying to understand like what's going on within that culture and stuff like that too. Right. And trying to look at it as much through their eyes as, as we can being cultural, culturally humble and that kind of thing. And, and Ben, maybe you can, you can answer this, this question. So a different culture, like, like I would imagine a different culture has their own uh, approach to like storytelling and, and beats and things like that how i don't want to say permissible but for lack of, a, of another word how permissible is it that a, a, a you know a, a different culture approaching filmmaking make the movie according to their to their own beats like you know in their own way that they approach storytelling uh within that culture and 
the rest of the world kind of like has to uh, take the time to learn what that is. Right. Or should they make their movie more approachable and learn the, you know, the techniques that I don't, I don't know. There's like worldwide techniques. I feel like movies going internationally, there's gotta be right. There's a certain formula and and way to, to tell your story. There are conventions that, yes, that are, that work that are true to like that's we're talking like film theory and stuff now yeah yeah i feel like those conventions were there but um Mm -hmm. is there is there some part that you felt like they might have done different that stands out because it'd be easier to answer like a specific okay yeah i am talking in, in general terms so i i guess the very um active storytelling like like i had said it feels like kind of lord of the rings except they're not going anywhere they're just walking right. around each other in the village and what i mean by that uh metaphor is it was very kind of uh like Devin had mentioned a bunch of like stories that were either uh, uh standalone or they could intertwine with the major story of the tragedy right um you know the showcasing you know the the thieves that got beat with a horsehair brush um mm-hmm. the guy that was eating soap for some weird reason i never understood mm-hmm. that either yeah. he smelled it and so i was like did he like the person that was taking the bath clip. and was he trying to eat it in an effort to get close I, I mean i i thought it was like I, that's where my mind was taking me. Yeah, maybe um, it was about like that, that, though, Jim. Like, maybe now that you're saying that, because he was like totally infatuated with the housemaid. Is this, this yeah. what we're talking about? Maybe it's because yes. it's something she touched or something, and he was just, yes. you know, consuming uh, it. Would do anything to be near her. Like, he was, he had it for her pretty bad, and that played out in a rape scene later on in the movie when he yes. shot Jesus' statue or whatever and turned into yeah. some kind of monster. Um, the way that I read that, the soap thing, is just that, like, these peasants have never smelled perfume before, like, never smelled oh, okay. something nice. Yeah. And so he smelled it, and he's like, this smells amazing. And, like, every like every child ever smells soap sure. for the first time, and they're like, yeah, this is food. It smells good, so it's food. I'm going to put it there in my mouth. Go. And, right. like, you know, we all fantasize about eat, you know, taking a bite out of a bar of dove, right? Yeah, but okay. usually, usually once you try that, you're just like, this is gross, so why am I oh, doing yeah, this? Yeah, he went for yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, he loved he it. Liked it. <laughs> Listen, he liked the soap. Um, like I like AMC stonk. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I'm going to play this clip. I'm Devin. I'm giving you a forewarning. There is chewing in it and there's chewing in another. Uh, so feel free to, <laughs> here we go. I'll, I'll wave you back in. This is the guy enjoying his soap. <laughs> oh man that groan <laughs> swallows at the end so he liked it you know oh man hey mikey he liked it yeah that must this have been delicious so i know did any right, of you guys catch sorry did any of you guys catch that there was like a piece of hair on that soap yes <laughs> oh man yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. well this was yeah. the same guy that ate his own uh shitty love potion later claiming <laughs> yeah. it was chocolate which also had then, hair in it armpit hair in it yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was foul. Well, I mean, it was foul. I mean, if you're prepared to eat your own shit, armpit hair, fuck, you know, throw that shit in there too. He should have had the soap after, so that way he could have, like, you know, dirty mouth, <laughs> clean yeah, it right, up. Yeah. Just, uh, why didn't I do a soap commercial for tonight's uh, 
I had, nice the, the other thing yeah. I thought about that was funny was that just, he just put so much hair and poop in it. Like it was mo- it was more hair and poop than bread. Right? He wanted to make <laughs> sure like, it was dude, uh, potent. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, like maybe just a just sprinkle a little, just a couple, you know, like. And it oh, went man. about as good as you would expect it to go in real life. <laughs> yeah, he instantly yeah, right. was like. Oh, like get away! And the other guy and just like, it was like the butler or whatever shit? was like, "No, no, get out of here!" But, yeah, but exactly. That's where the magic resides. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, they, also, the witch that, trolled them pretty good on that. Yeah, that witch was just putting them on. She was just oh, like, totally. "I'm gonna get this guy to shit." And yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she was right. <laughs> that so that actually, I liked how that witch thing worked. It did actually remind me of. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle, the way that like witches were just like open for business, you know, yeah, or uh, yeah. uh, you know that stuff. So there's another one that you can sprinkle in there. Um, and I also, oh yeah, you mentioned the witch. That's what you mentioned, Pepe. Yeah, this was like Estonia's LSD answer to the witch. I, yeah, I wrote right, that exactly. down, and that absolutely <laughs> like when you said the witch, I was like, okay. So everyone was like hitting on the same things that I was seeing in there. So they did a good job. I guess getting back to like film conventions and how they translate. I think it was just more like the language barrier and the folklore because mm. I didn't notice anything film-wise that they didn't know. Like, I okay. probably these guys that worked on behind the camera um, worked either here in America and did most of their work here and then, like, went and shot this over there or at least had some kind of experience or film school because I didn't notice anything where they were doing it wrong technically. It was more like how it translated or not, like the actual story. Yeah, so so maybe my question is, how much of it, it, it is it a responsibility of uh, the culture in question, right? To learn these these more these larger conventions to make it more approachable to audiences, right? So, sort of maybe we're talking story. Yeah, yeah, their way yeah. of you yeah. like you know uh, uh, expounding on the story, and then how much of it a responsibility is it for the overall audience to kind of come on their level, right, to understand their approach to storytelling because that's indicative of the culture itself. I, I guess would be my question. Well, I, yeah, I, 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 everyone, <laughs> everyone else should voice off on this too. So go ahead, James. Well, I just wanted to I wanted to respond to what, and I think this kind of has something to do with what Devin said earlier is that like i i can't overstate how strongly i disagree with the idea of having that having to put work into something to enjoy it is bad mm-hmm. i think that that is entirely wrong um I, I i don't think that that means that things that you can just enjoy like a movie that's that doesn't take work on the viewer's part is worse or bad but to say to, i think to say that because something requires some work of its viewer or its audience makes it bad. I I can't imagine how one could think that to be honest. No, that's that's put really well and that's basically what I what I'm trying to get at too is like the the work that I put into it does not have revolve around a flaw I think in their stories or their characters or how they shot it. It has to do with the nature of the thing being a foreign film featuring uh conventions folklore conventions from that culture and so that's the work that you have to put in and there's really no i don't see a way of getting around that um Mm -hmm. but is it too busy i don't know that's like a personal judgment for me it wasn't and i liked all the um character arcs that i got through the town and got to like kind of know all the town members and who they were and how and i was satisfied with the outcomes 
and that they took the time to give them like cap off their characters so well. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but does anyone else want to kind of sound off on, on that as far as, as far as um, any perceived flaws, whether or not I, you agree with me as far as it, is it the work you put in something that's just na the nature of the thing, or does it have to do with the filmmaking and storytelling? I definitely think that I understand Devin's point in the sense of if I only watched this movie once and I walked away with just what did I watch and being uncertain of what I watched, I'm not going to be able to really appreciate the movie. And if it takes me twice to watch the movie to appreciate it, I don't know, I guess the, the argument would be like, okay, what is the chances that someone's going to you know, watch a movie twice in order to really understand it or to very appreciate it. And, great and that's point. not, yeah, it's not, it's not very high. And, you know, usually right. people are going to the movie theaters to watch a movie. They might see it again, but they, you know, they might see it, you know, years after. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I do get, I do get Devin's point in saying that, like, if you do have to watch it twice in order to appreciate a movie, is that movie therefore, you know, credible in its, in the value that it has if, if the audience if the audience has to watch it twice in order to get it um at the same time i don't think that just because you don't understand a film the first time watching it that 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 also makes it a bad movie like i i, right. I just think that me if i watched this movie once and i walked away with it i would be like you know i don't really know what to say about this movie or i'd be like i'm uncertain maybe i would have to watch it again in order to get it I don't think I'd walk away just being like it's bad because I didn't get it but I could also see a lot of people walking away watching this movie not getting it and therefore thinking it's bad and I'm not agreeing yep. with that that thinking but that's gonna happen and and I totally do understand that do you guys think that Estonians watching this movie had to watch it twice because I think no. that's kind of the point I'm trying to make mm -hmm. like, then while that while Devin's contention probably applies 98% of the time, I'd say that a foreign film like this fits into a, almost a special category. And yeah, will that mean, maybe to Jim's point, will that mean that it will put off a lot of the audience? Absolutely. I t fully agree with that. This movie is not going to get a big general audience watching it because of that. But if they put in the work, I think they would like it. Yeah, and I, I think um, to Devin's point, it really depends on why that movie leaves you confused, right? So if the if the movie just has crappy narrative, right, and jangled shots and bad editing, and you're confused because of that, that's a bad movie, right? But if the point of it, you being uncertain is because it comes from a different culture, and there's a whole set of mythology that you have to try to learn on the fly as you're, you know, trying to interpret the story and you come away confused. That's not necessarily a bad movie. But I think also part of Devin's claim, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I, I thought I heard you say, if I have to watch it a second time, then necessarily it's a bad movie. And I would point out an example, and I don't know if this is a fair example, but it's just the one that comes to my mind. And it's not the same kind of being uncertain, but the movie uh, Sixth Sense, you know, and that was a that was a great movie. And then, but you, when you get to the end, you're like, what? And it took a well, 
just use my own personal example. It took a second watching it. Oh, now I see it was there all along. And it caused a reevaluation of the movie. And um, I thought it was great as a result. So, yeah, and yeah. Fight Club does that too. Real quick, I, yeah. I think mm -hmm. um, that that is a little bit different though, because you're rewatching it because of what was revealed rather than because you didn't understand something. Oh, sure. You're right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it's those movies make you like you get to the end, you're like, oh, I have to rewatch that. Where you get to the mm -hmm. end of this movie and you're like, like you don't get that instinct there's no there's no impulse to be like i gotta rewind i mean maybe in ben's case there was maybe i'm speaking for myself but uh when i got to the end it was not like uh maybe if i rewind at the beginning and rewatch that i'll i'll get it this time and then i'll enjoy it i didn't i didn't yeah. get that impulse okay. I'll, I'll say this if it wasn't for this show i would probably not have watched it again and i would have left off thinking that was pretty cool but you know weird and i didn't quite get everything like the the true genius of that film was revealed only after understanding the world i was in which took a viewing yeah hmm. and i also agree with your point ben that it, it is very likely because it is a foreign film. i think absolutely if there was an american-made english-speaking film that i had to watch twice to enjoy like i think that there's no real argument that that would have to be a bad yeah, movie if agreed. you had to watch it twice. agreed the fact that it's foreign is probably a big uh impact on that but like at the end of the day i'm i'm an english-speaking american and like you know we're talking about what we got out of the movie and because it was so confusing to me and so hard to understand, maybe because of those cultural barriers, I didn't enjoy it. And like, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. subjectively, it was not a good movie for me because I, I just didn't understand it. Well, no, I, I can, uh, maybe, maybe I have a different experience with movies like this. Um, than maybe you guys do, but like, so like the first time I watched this movie, I definitely didn't like fucking like my red yarn wall was not complete about like putting <laughs> this movie together. Right. <laughs> Nice. But, um, <laughs> but there's there was enough stuff in it, like um, like uh, I mean, well, first of all, it was it was it was nice enough to look at just as a sort of vi oh, visual piece of art that yeah. I wouldn't that I wouldn't mind watching it again. Um, but there were also just like enough things in it that delighted me. Yeah, that even if I didn't know that I didn't see the whole the whole all at once, that the idea like I may not get to the end of that movie on its my first viewing and say okay back to the beginning I'm going to watch it all again right yeah but I watched that movie the first time and I come away from it and I'm like wow that was a completely new experience to me I'd never seen a movie like yep. that before all that true mm -hmm. and. I don't think I understand it and I and I look forward to watching it again. Um I mean like even just the even just the sequence with like when the when the guy makes the crat out of the snowman and it tells him all I those stories. It was so there's so much stuff in there to enjoy. Yeah, there's I felt like at least for me I felt like there was so much stuff in that to enjoy that like even if I wasn't ready to like be like okay back to minute 1 let me watch this twice in a row that I would, I, I, and I had the, because this is, this was my second time watching this movie, I think, that from the first time I watched it, I was like so excited to watch it again and tr like telling everybody I knew about it so I would have someone to talk to about it. And just, it just so happened that this podcast came along so that I could force other people to watch it. <laughs> yes. 
I feel I feel good for inventing a podcast where we force each other to watch this kind of stuff because I, I get yeah. so much out of it. Uh, probably more so as a, a Jim is out. He's dropped out of the podcast. Um, I get I get so much out of it more than I put into it, I feel like. Um, and so this is a great example of that. Uh, I, I don't want to undersell where I went with this movie from the first viewing. From the first viewing, I saw a lot of genius in it. And... Um, I, I just went from like liked and appreciated to loved after I really kind of like, you know, sucked the marrow out of it on the second viewing sort of thing. Yeah, for me, I think like, I, and I don't, you know, I really don't like being a downer about movies. I really don't like disliking movies. I know it, it like all evidence to the contrary in this podcast, but I, it, this falls for me into a very similar camp to Under the Skin, which I, I was also very negative on. But mm -hmm. just like with Under the Skin, there was a lot of very interesting stuff in this. Like I said, I, I love the crat, the crats, and there was a lot of other really like interesting stuff in this that I enjoyed looking at, enjoyed watching. And yes, it was shot very well and, and all that. It was just that I, I feel like I get stuck in my own head thinking about like, what is the why is this important like every every scene i'm trying to figure out like why does this matter and that's probably a, a personal issue with me that i'm like trying to no, find context important. where there sometimes isn't context or or the context is just not what i'm looking for or should be looking for um that's yeah, valid that's, yeah, i feel like i watch movies like that in a similar way to that too because i feel like i bring those types of questions to to the show a lot as it's do like, i what i'll just say that's have to do? that's where in my second viewing that's where that stuff clicked for me um, however, I came across it. It sounds like I came out of the first viewing with a more positive spin on things like that didn't frustrate me because I felt like I would get it if I did watch it again. Um, and luck luckily enough for me for the podcast, I needed to. So, you know, I needed to get film clips and stuff. So, um, for this one, I was like, I can't just do my normal thing where I've either already seen the film or it's in English. So I can kind of like do my technical stuff and capture clips all in one viewing. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit on my couch with my dogs and watch this film and put my phone away. And then, like, I, I know I'll need to watch it again, you know? And so I was forced not to be lazy. Like that guy that said, I'm too lousy of a man to manage without a crat. Yeah, right. <laughs> I yeah, I, think, I mean, I, I, like, to your guys' credit, I think that this movie isn't super interested in giving you a ABCD narrative, sure. right? I think that the movie, I think that the, the way the movie is structured is that you have a sort of singular narrative that sort of sets up the sort of central, some of the central conflicts, especially with the, the father and the daughter. Um, and then, and then you just sort of get this explosion of like, now you're going to find out little tidbits about every fucking person in this village. And then it sort of comes back down into and like is going to wrap up the main plot and it's that section of like that exploded section where you're seeing like everybody doing all these different things it's a lot where it's yeah it's hard it's hard to keep track of it it's hard yeah it's, it's almost not, like a, it's not it's holding almost your like hand a, uh it's almost like a more like a tv show format how they expanded because you don't typically do that and maybe this is what jim was talking about where it, it yeah, diverges it's and like, shows more in a small amount of time Yes, yeah, it's almost like if you made Lost and kept everybody's individual story and made it into a movie and made it yep. all happen at once. Which is <laughs> yeah. more all the more impressive to me watching it that second time and following all that readily and enjoying it that they were able to fit all that into a movie. So I would give them credit for that, but it isn't what you typically do in writing structure. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, you have all these, you have this, like, you have these like layered stories that don't necessarily have anything to do with each other. They are but able they're to do all, that. They're all happening in the village. Lame is. They, they are able to do that kind of thing in like, in stage plays a little bit more where they'll follow somebody else home and everyone has their come up. And so, and in that way, it was almost like a, a stage play in the sense that every character gets their due, you know? So everyone, everyone gets their like ovation at the end when they do their curtain call, right? That's kind of how it felt. You know, she's dragging the priest around and they found their silver, yeah, right. and, yeah. you know, etc. I think there are parts of the movie that may be a chronological as well, which makes it also difficult mm -hmm. to follow. Um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't, I don't, I, I wouldn't fault anyone for watching this movie, especially only watching it once and being like, I have I really have no right. idea what happened. No, but I, I think that, I think that I would, I would surprised hope. if that happened most of the time, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, that was weird I, and I didn't like it. You know, I would, I'd be like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I guess I, what I would hope is that you might have an, a similar experience to mine where you see things, you see the like pearls in it and you're like, oh, okay what's all this stuff like oh that was really beautiful oh that was really well done oh i like this thing and then you'd be sort of even if you didn't return to it immediately you would be excited or open to returning to it in the future yeah i, mean, I get oh go go ahead cat i think to better understand and this is i don't want to speak for you Devin, but this is kind of my analysis of how you interact how you react with movies you don't like um I think that you're very much, and I know a lot of people who like in the same, um, who are, are similar with reading books. If they pick up a book and it's not immediately entertaining to them, they're like, I don't think this is a good book. I'm not going to waste my time to watch the rest of, or to read the rest of this book. And I think it's kind of similar for you where if you don't find that the movie is entertaining, and that was a question I kept asking myself um, after and during while watching this movie was whether or I was like, I'm definitely intrigued. I'm definitely interested, but am I entertained? Would mm -hmm. would I would do I find this movie entertaining though? And I feel like with Under the Skin, that was kind of a similar thing that I have also felt watching that movie. And that was another movie you also did not enjoy, did not like. That you may not be someone that enjoys reading those kind of long novels that are, you know it takes a while for you to get into it. And I don't think you, you, you find the value in that. And I'm not saying that as a negative, positive, whatever. I just think that that's, that's what it seems like to me. And um, that's at least my insight into no, that's <laughs> to the movies well you don't like. If I, if I might, before Devin responds, I, I just to not put you on to lessen putting you on the spot here, Devin, I also apply a similar philosophy. Um, because, and I think this is why, because like for a TV show example, for example, if I start feeling like watching an episode of a show feels more like homework than entertainment, I'll usually cut it out. And it may be the best show ending ever and they may actually deliver on everything. But I, I just figure that like the ratio of time I have to put into entertainment to, to get that reward is just isn't like balanced enough. Like usually it's something like Lost where I'll, where I'll like, put in like this i didn't put i i stopped watching lost by the way i didn't put in the the and i feel like um venerated for not watching it by the way too i feel like that you're gonna put in that effort and like it'll be wasted a lot of the time probably a lot more time than it will be rewarding yeah i was actually it's, it's funny that cap brought that up i was gonna actually mention something about kind of the like relationship between like 
entertainment and and my like interest because I like I recognize as a person that there are films that are made not for the purpose of entertainment like they're not meant to entertain you like that is a, like people make movies that are like that that are meant what to inform you or to theater uh, of the oh the theater of the macabre I was actually yeah. gonna reference that too you guys are like same same wavelength I was gonna reference yeah. the fucking theater of the macabre I love that um, but uh yeah I I think that for me personally those th- those films that are meant to entertain are just like uh, th- those are the only ones I'm really interested in. Like, I just don't really I personally Who's don't, don't time, find right? me. Yeah, it's like if, if it's doing anything, it's like the reason why I can't even though I enjoy a lot of documentaries, I don't get into them very often because it's like they're usually not entertaining. They're usually meant to just inform you and then it gets boring. And the modern documentary format is kind of meant more to entertain. They're kind of adopting some like filmmaking techniques to make things more uh, entertaining. But um, anyway, the point being that, yeah, I, I tend to gravitate towards films that are pure entertainment. And, and speaking of books, even um, ironically, one of my favorite book series is uh, Song of Ice and Fire, which are very long. But <laughs> the thing with George R. R. Martin is like, it's all plot all the time. There's no filler mm-hmm. in those. Like, it's just fucking yeah. Yeah. plot, just like a stream of consciousness. Like, there's always something entertaining happening on every single page. Um, and, th- you know, that is why I can get into that kind of even though it's really and long. Th- and to kind of agree with you, I come from a history of being more patient with this stuff than I have uh, like in recent years. And I think that's because we suffer from an absolutely embarrassing wealth of entertainment to yes. sift through. And it's almost become it almost becomes like white noise, you know. So how do you judge stuff like that? So uh, which is another reason I'm glad for the podcast, because it's like, you know, I, I'm now finally like seeing th- it's like I'm not having to work all by myself to find new things like I, I get like things that yeah. I know. And 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 I get past me being uh, a lazy viewer uh, or an errant friend who won't actually follow up and watch the damned thing that I was recommended. Now we now we know the real impetus behind this podcast. Ben's just outsourced his. I'm mining it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm outsourcing it. Yep, exactly. Well, That's one of the. That is one of the the side effects of it. Yeah. Well, it it is really interesting. You know, like um, how it, it it definitely has us out of our bubble. <clears throat> I mean, you said it for this movie, Ben, a couple of times. You know, you wanted to digest this movie. You wanted to uh, as fully understand it as you could. And so you watch it a second time and, you know, our tastes in movies are, are uh, definitely different. I can kind of pinpoint each of your, you know, tastes in, in, in movies now after we've gone through, you know, a couple of seasons and we all have our distinct taste, which is interesting um, to follow along with what Devin says, because, because I was thinking about this too. Yeah, I watch movies with that same thing to be entertained. In fact, my taste in movies, if I was just left on my own, is very mainstream. You, you know, even with fantasy, like I, I've watched Conan, I can't tell you how many times, you know, and well, those, uh, those movies are so much fun, though. I mean, yeah. it's totally understandable why you yeah, watch those. Yeah, they are. But and then all the 80s action movies, you know, like when that uh, when TBS had movies for guys who like movies. I was watching yeah, that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I like that pulp fiction type of stuff. Right. And, and that doesn't have anything to do with one's intelligence or anything like that. So when it comes to watching movies outside of that genre, it 
takes more work for me to appreciate it on its own value because I have to come out of the standards of Pulp Fiction type stuff to be able to under, you know, when you watch like a Schindler's List, even though that's mainstream, it was an high, you know, a high art movie. And so you understand it on a whole different level than you do Rambo three. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and so it, 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 it does take work. And um, speaking on books too, like I didn't appreciate Dune. I know lots of people love Dune though. It's a classic. Mm -hmm. And that is a book series that takes a lot of um, thinking about, you know, philosophizing and headspace to uh, and rereads to understand that book. And I and I and I really and that's why I do enjoy this podcast because these different tastes and movies have led me uh, more easily to appreciate movies on different merits than ones that I would just watch on my own. Just like mm -hmm. with books, when I actually, uh, you know, stick around and go through the long prose to get to 200 pages where it finally starts to expose itself a little bit more, enough to find a foothold in to appreciate that and, and keep reading. I feel like there is definitely nuggets and rewards there if you hold on yes. for the long haul. So there is there is value there to be to be gained. And maybe some of the best stuff is is the stuff yeah. you have to kind of mine for. Yeah. However, in an, with an embarrassing wealth of entertainment riches uh, and in an era where amusement entertainment is is basically the most popular form, right? Yeah. Where you can kind of like, you know, you had a crappy day and you can shut off your brain a little bit and relax and just kind of be amused by something. Mm -hmm. um, it's harder to get the motivation to dig. Yes. You're right on that. It doesn't mean it's not worth doing, though. I mean, I'm glad that it's almost like Pepe took the uh, horse whip and got me to dig. And I was like, oh, fuck, we found a, <laughs> you know, a huge diamond here. You know, so, you know, it's like I'm glad for it. But uh, still, it took uh, some prompting, you know. Yeah. You, you ate the soap at the end and you were happy. Yeah, the soap was delicious. I didn't <laughs> want to and I didn't I wasn't like that guy. Um I have a sort of off-topic question that I kind of want to pose to the group, but but first, before I get into it, something I've been I've been you know banging around in my head since we started this series. Uh -huh. um, but I wanted to ask Kat, without spoiling too much before it's that time of the podcast, is is the film you're going to have us watch next week a contemporary black and white film? That's all I want to know. Just yes. answer in simple it terms. Is? Okay, it is. I will save okay. my question for next week then, um, and we can make room for it in the, in the show because I want to like kind of host a discussion about something, but we'll leave that as a Write it down, Devin, don't forget. That's called forget. salting the audience. Yeah, well done. yeah. exactly. <laughs> Speaking of salting so the salty. audience, uh, uh -huh. yeah, exactly. Here's uh, Casper the Hungry Ghost. Devin, <laughs> you may want to take off your headphones for a second. <laughs> Casper the Hungry Ghost. Imagine hosting a dead relative and having to sit there and watch them eat. My Murece. Okay, let's talk about Devin now that he's done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I just wanted to make that joke. Um, it wasn't really about the scene there. Yeah, so a ghost eats some chicken. Big deal. No big whoop. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's go to uh, some cool parts though, because uh, I I'm, I feel like I'm underselling the clips here. Uh, the crossroads and the devil at midnight is such a fantastic thing to see 
realized. And I think they did such a great job of it. And I loved the devil guy they got. Um, so here's that. He's good. And let me set it up. He uh, These things called crats that are like, you know, uh, you you basically the deal is uh, up front if you're not, you know, trying to trick the devil is you trade your soul for the soul of another maybe dead person or something like that the devil already owns. And they are put into inanimate object that is almost like an automaton or something like I was saying, like a droid or something like that. Uh, and then they have to do the bidding of their master. And so this guy literally broke his other crat after the helicoptering cow incident, which he used to steal someone's cow. I think there's a baron's cow. Um, and then uh, he needed to go get another one because he was too lazy to do shit on his own, basically, which is representative of how crappy these villagers are. But here he, <laughs> here he goes back to the... He's going to trick the devil with some pomegranate, signed not in blood, but signed with pomegranate juice to fool the devil. Um, okay, so here's this realized. He approaches the crossroads at midnight and summons the devil. I just want to sop that up. I love that shit. I absolutely oh, adore it. Well done. That that character in particular uh, reminded me a lot of uh, like Japanese stage plays, um, like Bunraku. Yeah, and, uh, oh, yeah. Kabuki. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That Good like point. something about the cadence of his speech, and I, again, the language kind of reminds me in a weird way of, of Japanese. Um, yeah, it was very in the face paint too. Like, yeah, it was very very interesting. Their language also reminded me of like when they cut to other like aliens languages in Star Wars too. I feel like there was probably some some kind of. Uh, influence there as well um and i don't know if it was estonian or just like these eastern languages sound foreign to our ears and star wars is made for an american audience and so the linguists they hired to come up with that stuff was like ah well obviously like eastern european right but it, mm -hmm. it kind of had that feeling to it and yeah. i said that about lord of the rings too with the elf speech it kind of felt like that i loved well, listening I to them talk even though i didn't know what they're i was reading along of course but uh it's such a beautiful sounding language it was very poetic i was gonna say tolkien was a linguist you know so he, yes i'm sure more he, than a writer he, yeah. he would say yeah absolutely yeah so he I must have that, known all that um, sorry yeah, no i mean i'm sure he knew um i'm sure he knew a, a, a stuff about these languages that we don't even have any idea about what was knocking around in his head but yeah i was yeah. gonna say the, the the devil at the crossroads at midnight is such a like it reaches across like so many different cultures like that idea you know yeah, yeah. Um, and then the way that and then like but it also sets you up for an expectation of what the devil's going to be like and then he's yes. not like that at all he's <laughs> so he was however guy, it felt very authentic like the devil would be something you wouldn't expect like that you know yeah, yeah, it wasn't so outrageous that you're like, oh, okay, this guy isn't this guy isn't a believable devil. Uh, he was, yeah, he but, was scary. He was uh, he was underselling himself to to make sure that whoever his 
hopeful victim was dropped their guard. He was a little mm, playful. Mm -hmm. He was a little yeah, bit mocking, I mean, like, oh, you want your crap? You know, you're like, oh, I, I just loved it, what they did with it. Oh, my God. And then, and then the like, kind of like 1960s Twilight Zone staging of it all. Yeah, yeah. This was another guy on. that struck. This was another guy that struck me as maybe not being an actor. The guy that played the devil. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. He seemed very theatrical, but uh, I mean, I don't think a lot of these people had a lot of um, at least like screen acting. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. Experience. Yeah, they're probably more stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. Yeah, this guy probably did like a, a Honda commercial or something for in Estonia. This guy's the Peter O'Toole of Estonia. <laughs> Maybe. He might be. Yeah. yeah. We might get a harsh letter from Estonians once this <laughs> yeah, podcast right. reaches their ears. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I wanted to say, I was trying to think of modern tragedies um, because they're just not really told all that much anymore, you know, and not adaptations. But there was one in the 90s that, that re this reminded me of just in that how everything went to hell really badly in the end. And Jim, I wonder if you've seen this one. Because this was also one of those Tarantino ripoffs that we were talking about, like after Tarantino hit with Pulp Fiction, like every movie had to be like that for a few years. Right. Um, so there was this one called Very Bad Things with Christian Slater and Cameron yes. Diaz. Did you ever see that one? Yes. That had one of the most like, dear God, I want to like bleach my eyes and brain from having seen that afterwards. I've, I've probably ever experienced. So this, this movie reminded me of that one. So if you, have, if you want, <laughs> it was well done. It was really well done. But if you want to yeah. come away from a film being like, oh, dear God, uh, and, and see what a modern tragedy looks like, very bad things was yeah. pretty, pretty good. I mean, oh, if also, you, um, uh, yeah, go ahead, Deb. I was going to say, if you ignore the presence of a sequel, you could consider the ending of Infinity War a tragedy, right? The end of Infinity War, everyone just dies. They just lose. If you just never watch Endgame, no, it's like Devin, the most no. tragic ending ever. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to look like closer at the structure, but I mean, that was I mean, like yeah, not a happy ending, whole, at least the ending. Yeah. Yeah. The ending was a tragic ending, but it wasn't, it didn't follow the whole structure of like, you know, people getting their comeuppance and all that didn't really do that. No, but it, I mean, it may, it may have, I wonder about the midpoint is I guess what I'm getting at. Cause the, the one thing I take away from this, the tragedy structure, and I'm not a tragedy, like, um, uh, not a tragedy expert or something, but the one thing I do remember is that the midpoint is where you get as close to the happy ending as, as you're going to. And so if they do that in, I wouldn't be surprised if, if I watched, uh, uh, infinity war and, and did spot something like that because they're well, there not, is, they hire some really great people to write. Those, I mean, I don't want to go down the Marvel rabbit hole, but there is the moment where they almost get the infinity gauntlet off. And then like the fallibility of man, like, you know, uh, star Lord's emotions overcome him. And he, if that's makes a midpoint, mistake, they nailed you know? it. I mean, yeah. I think it's more like three quarters, but close enough. I mean, you know, it was there. It was in there. Okay. They tried. Yeah. Evan, you can't show you can't you can't shoehorn your Marvel movies into these genre classics. Oh, just wait, just wait. If, if, time, travel, if time travel comes up as our theme for next series, uh, it's gonna be all you're gonna watch the whole MCU. Speaking of themes, between this and last week's movie, which was Clerks, our series theme could have been the love of one you're with, because that was basically yeah. the this was the same story except the Estonian version of Clerks, basically. Yeah, they should have called it Kratz. Should have been titled Kratz. <laughs> the spitting card that was like you know what's his name uh, uh, da uh not dante what was the other one i always forget his, his Randall. Name. 
Randall. Yeah, Randall. The spitting one was Randall, definitely. Who told yeah. you to uh, sell your soul to the devil to get Kratz? You know, it could have been his voice for all of you. <laughs> <laughs> it would have translated perfectly. Uh, even, let me... Uh, um, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I have, I'll queue up another clip after this. Nebraska kind of even fits that theme if you think oh, about the old, right. old, you know, the parents, like he, his whole like quest to find fulfillment for his kids and he could have just, you know, been happy with his wife. Yeah, no, you're right. They did touch on that, huh? All right, cool. Uh, another unexpected side effect. Um, okay, because I loved the snowman crat so much. Snowman was so good. That, that so oh, good. man, that sequence was so good. And he was, and it was like, it was a uh, very like um entertaining it was like he was absolutely like it almost reminded me of like a greek myth what, what was the greek myth where the person had to like look at their own uh reflection oh, yeah it was almost mm -hmm. like that where he was just like absolutely enchanted by this thing and so was i and it reminded me like what how he was responding it it reminded me in a sick way of getting my first iphone because I felt like that, like when I first got it, it was like, oh, crap, what, how did you learn to speak like this? And, you know, Siri went off on this poetic thing. And then uh, was, I could never put it down again. It, they hit the mark so well of doing like beautiful, tragic horror because that snowman, yeah. as it like deteriorates, watching oh, God, it I die is yeah. horrific. It's so, so beautiful, sad and, and scary. And yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. melting and he's like, I have to go. And so, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, if well, it has those. It has those coals for eyes that he like sears into in it. And oh, yeah, yeah. the whole sequence from making the crat to going and selling his soul to the devil and trying the pomegranate trick, and it was like, oh, that's not going to work this time. This time, I'm going to take your soul. Um, and that happened right after the midpoint. That's when it started unraveling. He made the crat, and he wanted to go you know, see the Baroness or whatever he was in love with. Um, so here's a bit of just like him realizing that this crat was kind of special and different than the other ones. Cause the other ones are like kind of raunchy and um, low brow, but this was like a, a poet. And the reason was I'll set it up cause you don't understand Estonian. I'm assuming um, the reason was that because the snowman was made of water and water is this like thing that's been around the world and done all this stuff that it like brings that experience to the table. And therefore this crat is like a cut above. It's so such a good you, idea. It's such a good idea. And it makes so much sense when you think about the other crafts that are just made out of like rusty farm implements. They don't know yeah, shit from they make them out of garbage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they make them out of garbage. Yeah, is, that's right. The other thing is it doesn't last though either. There's like a there's like a timer on it. Yeah, there's a, putting a, the timer a into your movie is super important. So mm -hmm. all that just came together. I just loved it all. Okay. So here's our snow crat. Otse kui sametis tõmmeldud huulet, silmad, mis on sügavad nagu kaks tumeda veega allikat, nõijutud veega, millest juues võid kaotada mõistuse. Kus sa seda siin äkkima õppisid, Krat? Kõik jääl. And uh, he's asking him there, like, how are you speaking like this, Krat? Like, you know, totally shocked. And then and the Krat goes on in this view. Everything that, that he said was enchanting it was just as enchanting to yeah. me as it was to the character watching it and frankly that's another rule you want to do you like i've mentioned this before if you tell a joke in your movie that the characters in the movie like in the movie laugh at that joke you would better make damn well sure that the audience will also laugh at that joke unless you're trying to put them off right 
And so again, it was like, you know, you'd better, if this guy's that enchanted with this thing, we had also better be enchanted. And for me, that totally landed. Well, the way they decided to film it was incredible too, right? Because he's telling, the Kret's telling him the story about these two, like, Italian lovers, lovers on yeah. a gondola, right? And, mm -hmm. and there, but the, but the boy and the, Krat are in this like muddy shithole that is their village, right? In November right. in fucking like yeah, Estonia. But they're but it's filmed in such a way that they look like they're standing in the bottom of this lake, looking up at these two lovers in the gondola. Like he was watching, watching them. Yeah, like yeah, he's watching it. Was it yeah. It was it was and it instantly made it was incredible. Yeah. It wasn't but, one of those, yeah. things like, what's going on? I was like, okay, he's watching the story unfold and we just kind of get to see it by way of the the way they staged it. And, and it did um, work for me. Is there anyone that that didn't work for and you're just like, fuck this snowman? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> curious. Because that was like no, one of my favorite parts. Yeah, it was it was definitely really interesting and really cool. I didn't realize until you just played that clip, the like kind of reverberation in his speech. It sounds like he's like talking to a, a like a, intercom or something like a loudspeaker it's it's a really interesting effect um and also i uh thought that i mean i got the thing with the water that he's like made of water and that made him like more uh uh worldly i don't, I don't know what the word is but yeah no that's also a good i thought maybe that somehow the devil knew on some level that he was being tricked by the other ones and like wasn't giving them the good souls and like this is the first cred we see that is actually someone paid a real soul for this credit because everyone else was cheating. Yeah, no, the devil was finally hip to their trick on that. Um, and yeah, I don't know what so, cued him off on that or not. I can't remember if it showed it, but yeah, that's a good yeah. thing. He licks the blood off the yeah, page. Yeah, he tries to ah, lick the blood okay. off the page. Yeah. See? I missed that. Yeah, that's perfect. He, he figured it wasn't, uh, he knew uh, the difference between pomegranate, blood, poo-poo, uh, and soap. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which some of the other characters seem to struggle with um, <laughs> yeah that snowman oh, crack man. though um such a good yeah such a good part of the movie yeah i know i'm just kind of thinking reflecting on it um i already said this but i i kind of had a little thing a blurb i wrote up because at the end of the film i really liked uh where they how they did the comeuppance and i said that before but like in the end all the worst people survived they got what they wanted in the way of reward and they were just as rotten as ever. Then they cut to Jesus bleeding out, like, you know, blood for your sins or whatever. Um, and so they do this shot of it and this beautiful, like the blood hitting the water and stuff. But I, I just wanted to like Jesus to pop up and, as at the end and just be like, man, y'all wasting my flavor. <laughs> just like continue sinning and being rotten, you know? Like, y'all wasting my flavor. And then the end or fine, as they would put it. Probably <laughs> trying to fancy. I thought that I, I thought that the the ending scene was the the very last line of the movie. I thought was really Her line, right? Moving, yeah, yeah. Because there's the the two like thieving conniving characters go into that lake that she's trying yeah, to drown herself of the house in. Characters, yeah, yeah. And they find for whatever reason this gold in the bottom of this lake, and they start throwing it onto the shore. And then they find her in the lake and they mm -hmm. put her down and they like don't care about her. No, they don't. And then the woman finds this sort of like chain, this gold chain with coins on it and gives it to her. And she says, here, take this. It'll be a great dowry for a virgin bride. Right. And then she says, uh, oh, thank you so much. 
Uh, what else could a virgin bride wish for, or something like that, or hope for, or something like that? And then that's the last line of the movie. And I thought that that was like, that encapsulated her, like the experience that she had so well throughout that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, talk about a big letdown for her, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, what more could a virgin bride want than a good dowry to give her husband? Yeah, and let me touch on a subject that, uh, trigger warning, we're going to talk about rape here, so cue out if that's a problem. Um, the pl the way they used the audio I thought was interesting. Um, and it was really, uh, obviously, all those scenes were like, you know, crazy or whatever. Um, but I th thought it was um, clever that they used the, I'll play the plague pig first. This is the midpoint of the movie and we meet the plague pig and then I'll roll another clip after that. No Therese's. Ah. No. Rahai Rachin Tistelenaidatta. They were looking for the plague pig, and, and the fellow had a coin in his mouth that he was going to keep. And because of his greed, he didn't realize that the plague, that the plague, the plague is a shapeshifter. And uh, it had taken the form of the coin, if I'm understanding it correctly. Yeah. And because he didn't want to share it with the village elder who was like, who could uh, have identified it, he ended up dying. The plague uh, coin turned into a plague pig, and that scene unfolded. Um, but they the way used... they defeated the plague pig was great, too, though. Yes, and it was also the start of the unraveling of of uh, of the story because when they were saying, "Oh, the 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 two youths will survive" or whatever, he held her hand and then they kissed after that, and so that was as close as they came to really having a, a relationship. When they knew who each other were later on, they she was uh, uh, disguised as the uh, Baroness. But um, well, it's it's one of the only times you see everybody in that village working together for a common that goal. That too, yeah, exactly. No, and it was a good goal. That that was the closest they came to redeeming themselves as kind of shitty individuals. Uh, yeah. Like even he's like, yeah, we're, we're thieves and we we're greedy and we don't share with each other and et cetera, et cetera. And he's all so put us out of our misery is basically uh, that. And so that that was right uh, according to the rules of this film, right? So that was, it was a good scene. And I also liked how clever it was that, um, you know, you can fool the plague by like, they put their pants on their head and laid down. And it was such an interesting way they went about he, that. He took, a, he took a big chance because I feel like, I feel like if the right plague comes along, that plague might be into things that have two asses. <laughs> Especially a shapeshifter. But yeah. yeah, it worked. And I kind of liked how they were punctuating that like, in this world, my wife let my dog out and it's squeaking a toy, so uh, I'll restate things if I need to for audio. Uh, but in this world, um, you can lie, cheat, and steal and get away with just about anything, but the only thing you cannot cheat or use magic to, to um, influence was love. That was like the one thing you couldn't get. That was the one thing that um, they failed at attaining. So I thought that was pretty neat how they kind of showed that in the way. You can even fool the plague, right? 
You can even lie your way out of that. You can cheat the devil, but you can't cheat love. So uh, put that on a t-shirt, Estonia. <laughs> <laughs> well, finding out that the that the witch and the sort of witch doctor, I don't know what you'd call him, the sort of central mystic of mm -hmm. the town of the village that they had had that they had at one time been like uh lovers that sort of yeah that was nice that it wasn't meant to be between them that was i thought that was interesting too it was an interesting take i liked that and they were kind of reflecting and like seeing themselves and the, the young people and almost like foretelling that that it wouldn't work out too in a way because they just you know, if only they had the the insight into themselves maybe later on. And he admitted, like, I'm sorry, I, like, tortured you or whatever back when we were uh, younger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and so I forgot to get back to my point. The Plague Pig, uh, let me just wrap this up. Um, the Plague Pig had a certain sound to it, right? And it was very distinct. So during the other two, there was two sexual assault scenes. Um, one against Lena and one against the, uh, the, the maid or whatever that lived with the, with the Baron, uh, in both times. And you guys probably noticed this too. They used the plague pig sound in those scenes. So let me play through that. And then I'm kind of have a question about this. Oh, and uh, again, trigger warning, um, because this has uh, a rape scene. And again, I don't want to play a third clip, but during Lena's scene, the the pig man who's trying to marry her also made that sound. So I'm, what I'm wondering is, did you guys see some kind of like connection there or like want to take a crack at why they reused that sound? And did you notice that they did that? I noticed it with the, with the, the man, the older man that wanted to marry her. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely noticed it there. For me, I felt like it was kind of like the, the saying of like men are pigs. That's kind of yeah. what it popped into my head. Um, but then she but, made the sound later. So I was wondering, like, is she a pig or what were they trying to like? This is almost a pet pig question. Like, what were they what did they want us to feel about that? You know, like, what was the connection there? I definitely see the pig man thing. In fact, I think she called him a pig man or said that his bride should be a pig or something. Right, yeah. I don't know about the female part. I don't know if Pepe knows. They might have just thought this is a clever way to put some kind of through thread there, but I felt like there was something intentional they were saying. But uh, I couldn't figure it out either. So if you guys don't have an idea, I totally forgive you. Um, because I don't. I was seeing if anyone else was like, yes, uh, clearly this uh, falls back on the uh, pig theory, of whatever, <laughs> from the great book uh, uh, degree I got. <laughs> So nothing well, like that to mine or or, or you, Jim. Well, I, I th this does have a callback to the that idea of men being pigs comes from. Well, one place it comes from is the Odyssey when 
Odysseus and his men go to the oh, island right. of Circe. Yeah, yeah which is Circe's my favorite island. part of the Odyssey. Yeah, and so that that's a very old idea that men are pigs and women are witches. And mm -hmm. that's played out in the Odyssey just as it's played out in this movie. Um, yeah, uh, so um, why they have... I, I don't know, I, I think that... That pig noise, that that noise that the pig makes is so effective that it's mm -hmm. it's like scary and weird and you don't want to listen to it. Yeah, that, that that's sort of why I and and it becomes like emblematic of an evil thing, right? You know that something bad is going on um, when you're hearing that noise, and so why they uh, that was sort of what I chalked it up to of why they played it again when these men are doing these things um, to the women. Why they make the make the woman make that noise in that scene? I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at it again. And to be honest, I'd be surprised if she did. I'm not saying that. I, I, yeah, I'd be surprised. You, you you're probably right. You probably know better than I do. But that's surprising to me. I would have to. It think It sounded about it more. similar enough to where I was like, "Is that's the pig noise, right?" Like once once it like kind of the scene unfolded or whatever. And they did yeah. it, and they did it. I'd be surprised if it wasn't because they also did it in Lena's, but they may have just been trying to find some kind of through line with that or something. But that, speaking of that maid character, much lighter topic. Well, maybe. Um, were, were her teeth real or were they uh, prop teeth? Because, like, in that first scene, oh, they, were God, like, yeah. they were like pretty, and I feel bad if they were real, but I don't think they were. They look like prop teeth to me. Um, and so filmmaking thing, if I'm assuming they were, okay, let's just assume they were prop teeth. Then that means they would have, have to have had to do, I'm not sure how that sentence came out that way, but it did. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, how they would have gotten live sound because have you ever put like cheap vampire teeth in and tried to talk and her talk yeah, and yeah. her speech was like flawless. So I'm thinking what they did was just a ton of ADR dialogue in this movie. Because the dialogue in the whole movie was just like flawless and beautiful. And in fact, the sound design in this deserved to win an award, I think, too. The sound was one of my favorite parts. I mean, and the visuals were stunning, too. But it was just yeah. hitting on both. But, uh, yeah. Did, did those look like prop teeth to you guys, or am I just way off the mark? Those, those ones did. The other women's yeah. were obviously not. Where that she just had two bottom teeth, and the rest of her teeth were gone. Oh, that yeah. woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally talking about the maid. Okay, so yeah, it was obvious to you too. I just felt bad. I was like, did I include this? The they were uh, the maid's teeth were prop teeth. I'm the actress's name is Katarina Unt, and uh, okay, I'm looking at photos great. of her out out of character, and she definitely does not have those teeth. Okay, so <laughs> definitely some ADR went on there. Um, yeah, that pulled me off for a second. And also, uh, when that scene that I, they first introduced her coming out of the Baron's uh, mansion or whatever it was, um, and she's like basically like looting the place because I think what happened, if I'm following it correctly, is like the old Baroness that lived there died or or was on the verge of death, uh, and they were just yeah. looting the place. Yeah, that's. Um, uh, I like that too. They're just like slowly pillaging this place. They're just stealing everything that's not nailed no, down. Oh, absolutely right. And the guy had stuff so under the floor and everything. Yeah, and similarly to the priest, she's like when they're casting a spell on the priest because he said he was going to turn her in for scraping the gold off of the altar, and so she would hang or whatever. She goes to the witch and fixes that by putting a spell, and she gets some hair off the priest, takes it to the witch. They do this thing where they're like turning some kind of like mill stone or a yeah, mortar yeah. pestle or something and doing the spell and she's and it's so specific i loved it she stops her and she's like oh whoa, whoa, whoa. don't go too far don't make him too dumb 
because then they'll just send another priest and he'll probably be worse than this guy. (laughs) So they stop short and then like, and there's this perfect balance played out in the priest acting after that where he's like just there enough to like do his stupid job that he's supposed to do and like dumb enough to where he's no longer a threat and she literally is like pulling him on a rope to do his priestly things that he has to do. But Did you see that when he like... He picks up that dirt at some point and like tries to eat it, right? But then he like smears it on the tree and he just had like whoever did that had like a mangled hand, right? He had like a ninja turtle hand. He had like two fingers and a thumb. Yeah, and it wasn't it was not a process it was a real someone had a fucked up hand and they filmed it and they yeah. Then I I they definitely had to have been like scouring the countryside for like peasant types for this film. Because the priest yeah. acting, if it was the priest, his acting wasn't like phenomenal, but he didn't have to do much either. So it was speaking, still effective. Speaking of like standout roles, I really loved the, I guess he was the Baron, the like old man. Oh yeah. God, yeah. Yes. I, fucking lo- I loved that guy. He's just like, he almost has no lines. He just like all acts with his like eyebrows and his like face. The smile, that smile. And, yeah, I don't know, like many things, I have no idea what purpose he served in the film, but he was fun to watch every time he was on screen. Like <laughs> Just how the Baron, the, the, the class difference, I think, and how aloof they are of the struggles well, but, of the <laughs> and stuff. I thought he was an interesting character because I thought that he had real sympathy for the for the villagers that like he 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 understood that he was apart from them and that he didn't like understand what they were doing, but didn't feel like he was necessarily better than them or like didn't wasn't wasn't of them. I don't know. That's the impression that I got that like the fact that they were different than he was didn't sort of I, I don't know maybe that was just me <laughs> he res- no i think he just was respecting that that they were supposed to live separate lives and he treated yeah, them as yeah. the as di- as they were different and kind of tried to stay out of it for the he most part he definitely has like he definitely passing, noticed what was happening right yeah he had like a passing curiosity of like yes. how peasants live like he watched that guy like take a shit on the sidewalk <laughs> yeah, just poop <laughs> on his lawn and just yeah, poop on that, yeah like, his smile when he saw the one woman like stealing dresses from the trunk, he was just like, Oh, she's just robbing me. Okay. So <laughs> like, he didn't really care. Yeah. yeah just yeah. Were aloof. It was fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that guy, that guy pooped and then just tucked his shirt right back in. No wiping or anything. That's peasants for you. That's yeah. Was. Adding, adding to the filth that already was covering <laughs> yeah. everyone. They got that part, right? People were probably, I think people at this yeah. point that they were showing definitely were like, there was an era where people were afraid of bathing that must have been during this time. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I really want to see a real, speaking of time travel again, I really want to see a realistic time travel movie where they just step out of the time machine in like the 1400s and are just like absolutely bodied by the nauseating smell of just like the whole world. Like just yeah, the whole right. world would and smell. And then they nope out of it. Yeah, they would just like pass <laughs> out. It would be so dramatically like worse than, than us now. I, I just, yeah, yeah. They're, they're in an ancient, uh, it reminds me of, a, I'll be quick. In, in ancient Egypt, there was a um, ambassadorial uh, issue with Rome. Uh, there was a Roman, and I don't remember who it was, but I'll just, I'll just keep it real generic. He couldn't handle how they smelled, and they used a lot of like, in Egypt, apparently they used a lot of perfume. They didn't, I don't know about the bathing habits. I know Romans bathed a lot. Um, but instead of that, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, they would just cover it up with like really heavy perfume and the guy just couldn't hack it, you know, uh, and like ended up getting sick. And it kind of reminded me of like when George W, uh, not W, HW, his dad, 
was yeah. president and he went to Japan and like he just couldn't handle the sushi and like ended up vomiting or whatever. <laughs> um, it, it was like, oh, well, the, this kind of stuff like happened even in like ancient Rome and, and Egypt and stuff. So it kind of reminds me of that. It reminded me of the line in uh, Holy Grail where, the, where they're coming across those peasants and they're like, look, it's the king. And the one goes, how do you know he's the king? And the other one goes, he's not covered in shit. Yep, he's the only one not covered in shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to say that the um, that when they're pilfering the castle, you can also toss in a, a Christmas carol, uh, some Dickensian stuff because they loot yeah. uh, Scrooge after he dies too. So that must have been like a big thing. Like, oh, good, the ritual person or whatever died. Let's go, like, get paid or whatever. So a little bit of justice there. Um, I did want to end with a lovely clip of the somnambulism, uh, and I'll set it up. Uh, the Baroness, It's it involves all the mains. Uh, so the Baroness has a sleepwalking problem, and she dangerously ends up like walking out on the rooftop of this mansion several times in the film. Um, and this is the time when Lena, who transforms in the wolf and is in love with Hans, follows Hans out there at, in wolf form. Hans is there, and I think he was like, had something going where he either snuck in and was unseen. They Maybe they weren't paying attention to him or he was like invisible or something. I wasn't quite following that part. Um, maybe someone else more astute than myself can tell me. But they didn't take notice of him. He was just kind of observing. And uh, she slept, walked out there and almost fell off the roof. And her dad, the Baron, uh, pulls her back at the last mm -hmm. second. So here's that scene. I thought it was very beautiful visually. And uh, there's some great sound in there, too. Es ist niemand hier. Es ist eine Krankheit. Es ist Vollmond heute Nacht. And uh, that's when uh, Hans, seeing her wake up and is taken by her beauty in the moonlight and whatnot, declares that he loves her. And then it cuts to uh, Lena as the wolf, like kind of cowering away. So I thought it was like a, a beautiful sequence there. They kind of brought it all together, you know, and, and then move towards the further unraveling towards the tragedy. So it's a lot there, a lot there in my Serious opinion. Dracula vibes, man. Serious yeah, Dracula. another one. Yeah, they they mixed in everything. Every ingredient they put in here, I, I liked. Um, but uh, that said, we should probably, I know kind of where my head is at with this, but let's all... Uh, start thinking about telling up our grades. Is there anything anyone wanted to add before we move on? From November. Okay, well, in that case... And now a word from our sponsors. Do you feel like you're at a crossroads in life? Is your crat just not helicoptering cows like it used to? Does your heart long for the Baroness, <laughs> but she doesn't even acknowledge you spitting Jesus bullets? Welcome to Crossroads, rehab center for lousy men who can't manage without a crat. Our patented curse approach takes only minutes. It's so fast you'll be saying to yourself, I'll be damned. Easy payment plans available. Sorry, pomegranates no longer accepted. Open past midnight.
Side effects include somnambulism, lycanthropy, pig plague, meeting the devil at the crossroads at midnight, shitty love potions, Jesus bullets, <laughs> and you may crat yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I, I I came pretty close to writing a commercial for like uh like Hans's Crat Emporium. Like, come on down sure. to Hans's yep. Crat Emporium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. Next time we watch this, oh, uh, yeah. If you guys ever, if you ever want to follow up, if you ever do catch it again, and you, that may not be the case, uh, I I would be curious to see uh, how it plays for those of you who watch it once and. Um, didn't absolutely fall in love with it uh, because I didn't fall in love with it the first viewing either. So it's almost like an experiment. Um, so if there's ever a rewatch, uh, raise your hand and let me know. Uh, okay. So that said though, it is time to submit our grades and tally a GPA. Final grades time. I am going to give this movie an A with the caveat that you have to be willing to watch a foreign film that's in another language. But I, I stand firm on the idea that if you are willing to put in that effort and pay attention, that you will come away uh, loving this film. So chalk me up for an A. But Kat, where did you end off uh, with November, the Estonian epic? Yeah, um, I think for me, it's a B plus. Um, I definitely can see the brilliance of this film. I think the cinematography, the sound design definitely was also very good. I think it is very unique. It's different and I like challenging movies. So I definitely appreciate all those things. But I think the big thing they kept asking was if I found it entertaining, would I watch it again and kind of not being certain of whether or not um what the plot was for this movie too while watching it so for those reasons for those reasons i i that's why it's a lower grade than an a sure yeah i totally oh i would have i forgot to mention yeah this movie went from a b range to the a for me after the second viewing uh and Again, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but uh, the reason being that it was for me about the barrier of the language and the and the culture. Um, but Devin, where did you end up with uh, November? Um, so, like I've stated, there were some things that really interested me in here, like many of the films uh, that we've watched, where there was there was elements, bits and pieces that that really appealed to me, but overall, um, just could not pierce that sort of outer veil of. Uh, confusion um so for me i'm gonna stick it i think what is becoming my most common rating unfortunately is a c minus <laughs> mm -hmm. well let me know if you watch it again and see if that shifts uh, one way or the other or stays the same i would be curious to know um but i fully understand if you never watch it again because um i wouldn't have if it wasn't for the podcast so c minus it is james pepe uh i think i know where you're gonna grade it but uh, let's find out yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give this an A to um, this. I this movie has been living in my head rent free, as the kiddos say, mm -hmm. since I saw it the first time uh, a long time ago now. And I'm sure I'm going to be thinking about it for a long time to come, having just watched it uh, again recently. Um, Good point about yeah. living in your head. It's uh, one of those signs we've um identify it as being a movie that uh, 
that has quality about it, that uh, ability to have you think about it afterwards. And this had that yeah. in spades for me as well. Yeah, I think, cool. yeah, I think there's a, I think a lot of movies you are, there are popcorn movies. You see them, you, you, and mm -hmm. you kind of, they go away. Yeah. And I think, I think at least for me, I'll be thinking about this for a long time to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Okay. Uh, and Jim Scott, final grade. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this movie a C and it, it really does have to do a lot with me. I think, you know, mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of good points that I really enjoyed in the movie. Um, I liked the, you know, the crafts themselves, that whole like bed knobs and Absolutely. broomsticks, you know, inanimate objects gaining life. And they had some type of significance and some of the characters were interesting. Um, the village girl that liked the guy uh, willing to shoot that arrow, you know, but mm -hmm. she didn't, she actually caught, um, she caught the, uh, the Baroness, uh, yeah. the Baroness, which I thought was really interesting. That was like that, like my eyes opened up at that. I was like, wow. Which made her worthy of suffering yes. because it's a tragedy. Yeah. That's another reason why she would have gotten what she wanted if she'd done the shitty thing. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think the, the C is more towards, I didn't, I didn't see the richness of the tapestry that you guys did. And I mm -hmm. have to, you know, I have to sit where I am, you, you know, I, so. I, I agree with you. And, uh, for me also, what informed it again was that I, that may or may not be the case for you, but I like got every folklore and mythology book I could get my hands on at a very young age mm. and was very ravenous towards that. And so yeah. that had to have come into play with this. Like this, this was another thing that delivered something very specific to me that I like, sure. you know, and so I can see that affecting my opinion and others uh, as well. Um, so Devin, have we given you enough time to tally the GPA for November? Yeah, we have our first ever uh, perfect numerical score of oh, 3.0. The first time that, we've ever that done means a something. Yeah, according um, to Estonian folklore, we are all doomed now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, is a, that is a solid B. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. I'm I'm happy it ended up in in the B range. So, um, so if you're out there and you're listening, you have not seen it yet, or uh, you watch it once and you're what uh, WTF, um, uh, I advise you to take another look if you have it in you to do so. Um. And if anyone else does, yeah, again, just uh, let me know how that goes because I'm quite curious. Cool. Uh, well, thank you. And again, the discussion was nice. And Pepe, I hope that you got out of it what you were hoping for by making everyone watch it. Because you were you said earlier you would hope you you wanted someone to talk about this movie too. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, before this, I knew one other person who'd seen this movie, and now I know, you know, <laughs> five 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 people who'd seen this movie. Great. Yeah. Exponentially better. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome. Okay, so moving on. We I'm got sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't an easy movie, though. I'll, I'll say that. It was an A, uh, and there was some things to overcome, too. Uh, but I couldn't give it any less than an A for me. Uh, okay, so we need to roll for the next episode, but since there's uh, one movie left, it's not really rolling, so I'm going to flip my one-dimensional die, which only exists... Uh, theoretically in my head um 
it's uh, non-Schrodinger's die because there's only one answer. <laughs> um, but I'll do the sound effect anyway. So uh, we are looking at what we'll be watching for the final movie of our black and white themed series three. Ooh. Here we go. Let's find out. Final movie. Okay. In my head, I've rolled a one on the one side of die. And so next week we will be watching a film called Roma, which came out in 2018. And it is a con another contemporary black and white mm. film. So might Excellent. I just say, yeah, I think all of our black and white films were contemporary except for uh, the one that kicked off the yeah. series. Yeah, so this this series went in a much different direction than I might have suspected. Yeah, yeah, you guys you guys all thought I'm going to be the unique one. I'm going to I'm going to do the modern uh, black and white film and then you yeah. all I, I put <laughs> I put black and white on the list all for this movie specific for November specifically because I had no idea how, on what other genre I could like couch it in i had no idea how we would get how i would shoehorn it in any other way yeah okay all right all right so that's interesting yeah no when i i literally did add what the f that i just watch after watching this movie to yeah, yeah future category so that didn't exist before but that is interesting um i'm excited for roma i haven't seen it before but i've been wanting to watch it yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it before either. And we all know by process of elimination that that was cat submission. So um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. It's, it was, it's been one on my list that I have meant to watch and sh knew I should watch but have not yet. So I look forward to benefiting from that in our discussion next week. Um, this is the penultimate episode for the series. So it is time to play Theme Jeopardy. And so as a brief explanation, because our show is really just a stack of dice that goes all the way down, uh, we're going to roll even more dice and let fate decide what the next series theme will be. So if you're ready, Devin, we will take a look at our categories. Devin, can we have the categories, please? Time travel. Oscar losers that should have won. Original gangsta. <laughs> Mockumentaries. Romance. And film school films. Okay, so I assume that you have somebody has some dice handy, a uh, six sided dice. Yeah, I got um, the random open our, our sponsor, random.org. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Okay, let's find out what next series D will be. We will be watching as a group six mockumentaries. Ooh. Mockumentaries. Okay, mm. interesting. There's a lot of those out there. Yeah, I know a lot like of them. Maybe you guys will oh, be geez. struggling. Yeah, I know a ton of these things. Um, because, uh, because I like was, I like the genre. So because I believe that was Cat's genre. Uh, do you want to briefly define what you consider a mockumentary, Cat? Oh no, let's not do that. No. Oh, okay. I want it to right. be mostly. I want it to be what our ideas of it. So because some of the okay, so some of the categories are like pretty specific, and then some of them are a little more 
leave it open for interpretation. So, yeah, when my category comes up, I'm going to define it for you guys because I have a very That's specific fine. idea. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I'll leave <laughs> okay. that up to you. Chad, if you want to define it, jump in and go ahead. I, this one to me seems pretty straightforward, but if people don't know what it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a movie that is fictitious, that is shot in the style of a documentary. Um, so it looks more, you know, uh, a good example is The Office is a mockumentary yep. series. So um, think of things along those lines. But I, yeah, I kind of assumed you guys knew what a mockumentary was. Mm -hmm. They tend to be comedies too i'll say that and in fact mm -hmm. i don't know that i've seen one that isn't a comedy so. well blair witch project is a mockumentary oh there you go okay great that's true great example oh, of a oh, horror wow. version yeah that's a yeah. good well done yeah, well done. yeah there's, there's actually, probably a few. okay so horror and comedy uh, yeah there's there's quite a bit of actually horror movies that that have taken um that approach to yeah, like paranormal activity like that's another like mockumentary style the mm -hmm. film so there's actually a lot of horror films well, that, good um, maybe this yeah maybe this opens it up now that you mentioned that i it might change even what i submit so that's pretty cool i'm glad we did that then so very good um so mockumentaries uh that'll be the theme for series four um so series five will wrap up next week with roma and we will roll for the first mockumentary that we'll watch so uh co-host uh get your thinking caps on and figure out what you want to submit before next week Uh, that basically also covers the show announcements. Um, go to fan emails. Our uh, vast swath of fans out there, if someone wants to write to ben at redhenmedia.com, we may respond on the show. Lucky you. Uh, and uh, that about wraps things up. If I could find my sound clip. <laughs> there we go. That about wraps things up. He's late. He's running late. Ah, there he is. He's delivering a pizza tonight, so he has to run late. Just one more thing. I asked for pepperoni. Why is there sausage <laughs> on this, Columbo? Do it again. Uh, Lieutenant Columbo is here to let us know that we have time for just one more thing, which is basically a brief Twitter-length post of something the co-host and I want to mention from outside the show. So I'll kick it off. Um, I just finished watching, and I've suggested this before with my group of friends, but I'll do it here on the show. I just finished watching the final season of Castlevania, and uh, they landed that very well. Um, it has really beautiful animation. Um, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, so that's where you'll find it, Castlevania. Uh, it's loosely based off of a series of... Um, video games of the same name that I never played. Uh, I might have played a, the original one a little bit on like the Sega, original Sega system. But uh, it's a long-running video game series, beautifully adapted into a story, which is, seems almost impossible, but they did it. Um, four wonderful seasons, and they landed it um, perfectly. So uh, if you like uh, gothic horror stories with uh, a lot of action, animation, and a really fully fleshed out and realized world check out castlevania on netflix that's my just one more thing yeah and uh cat what have you got for us this week on just one more thing uh mine is also another tv series it is called the morning show it is on apple tv so um if you don't have it find a friend who does 
I do. So um, yeah, it's you only like four ninety nine a month. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, but uh, it's a really good show. I I binge watched it. Um, it stars Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston. So really good actors um, dealing with the consequences of their leading news anchor um, with sexual allegations. So it's very current, very modern, um, deals with a lot of the Me Too movement as well. So um, yeah, I think it's a it's a really well done show. So my wow. pitch for that one, and I haven't seen it, but my pitch for that one would be world's best boss meets the best friend. <laughs> That's a good one. And there you yeah. have okay. <laughs> Might take you a second to get there. Uh, I don't want to explain it uh, to those who don't get it because that's how you, how bad jokes uh, wrap up. So we'll just leave it there on the floor. <laughs> All right, Devin, what have you got for us this week on Just One More Thing? So I also have a, an Apple Plus show, actually. Um, I Really, my recommendation is to, like, go get Apple TV Plus. They're doing really incredible original content. It's really cheap. And, like, if you have to, like, justify it, cancel Hulu. Hulu's original content, I think, is, like, abysmally disappointing, especially mm -hmm. lately. Personally. Some of their content you can get from other streaming platforms, too. Yeah, and Hulu has really fallen behind, I feel like, in the, in the stream wars. But uh, specifically, the Apple TV Plus show Central Park, um, which is made by... Uh, Bob's Burgers creators Lauren Bouchard and Nora Smith, along with Josh Gad, Great. who joins the show because it is a musical. So this is an animated primetime comedy animated show, you know, very much Simpsons, Bob's Burgers. But the, the hook is it's a musical and um, it's got it, the most star studded cast I have ever seen in an animated show. Um, Josh Gad is obviously one of the main characters. Kristen Bell is also in it. Um, David Diggs and Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton are both in it. Titus Burgess, who was in um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix, an incredible show. Stanley Tucci is in it. Catherine Hahn. Uh, uh, like, basically, I'm terrible with celebrity names. I recognize almost every name that's in this show. It's like that crazy. Really great. Actually. Yeah, there's a, they're all great singers. They really focus on having good songs, not just funny songs. Like, they're funny, but they're also like good songs that you could just like listen to. You know, they're very listenable. They're not just going for the joke and, and the punchline. Um, yeah, it's an incredible show. I highly recommend it. Um, Central Park on Apple TV Plus. Well, I'm going to have to cough up the five bucks and check it out because I only did the like free preview back when it first kicked off. There was a lot less content back then. I think I watched like the new Amazing Stories or something like that. That yeah, Spielberg did. And spoiler, but, uh, my, my next like four just one of the things are going to be Apple TV Plus shows because there's a bunch I'll of other shows I'm, I'm really into. Yeah, Apple has deep pockets and they don't mess around when they get into a uh, business on something. They go for the goal line every time. And so if you know that about Apple, you'll know that they teamed up with some of the top talent in Hollywood. Um, and they probably stole away a lot of uh, talent that Netflix was like, because eh. <laughs> I mean, they got like, you know, they got some heavy hitters over there. Um, fact, so actually, I look Central, forward to catching up on some of this. In fact, actually, to that point, Central Park was originally um, opted to Fox, who turned it down. And then it was a bidding war between Netflix, Hulu, See? and Apple TV+. And Apple TV+, won the bidding war. So, Apple's yeah. got the money. They, what are they, the richest company in the world or something in the history of the galaxy? Probably up there. Like yeah, they're way up there. They, they, they not only have, like, uh, wealth uh, in their stocks and stuff, they actually have, like, billions on hand. That you know, so they have like the paper money ready to spend. Yeah, and fun fact, just real quick, that they're um, for the morning show, and I'm sure with any other TV series uh, that's not animated, they're able to easily use any Apple products, like 
which is actually a thing that, you know, a lot of TV series and movies can't do or they have to pay, you know, shit ton to Apple to use. So, um, so they have the phone you actually use rather than some phone you've never heard of. Yeah. Yeah. And easily like they, the actors can just easily use their own iPhones or something text people oh yeah right yeah exactly huh interesting well i look forward to catching up on all that so uh james pepe i didn't skip you what do you got for us this time yeah so i'm gonna recommend another book by one of my favorite authors gene wolf this book is called the fifth head of cerberus it's a collection of three novellas the first of which is called the fifth head of cerberus um they are three novellas but each they're all connected, so they, they're they not, it's not exactly like one doesn't end and the next one begins, but they're all connected. And part of the joy of these, reading these three novellas together is figuring out how they are connected. Um, and if you enjoyed tonight's movie, November, you will probably especially enjoy the second of the three novellas in this um, collection. And... Wolf wrote all three of these together. He envisioned them as being packaged together. They weren't just three that happened to get thrown together into a collection. They're supposed to go together. Um, and I just want people to know about Gene Wolf more. Gene Wolf is, um, I, I, he, if he, this is one of the first things he wrote in the sort of that became well known. And if after he had put down his pen writing this and burst into flames, he would have been remembered as one of the greatest science fiction writers of all time. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it is, it is a masterpiece among masterpieces that he, that he wrote. Uh, so I would highly recommend it. Gene Wolfe. And uh, did he, he, so he wrote all of the novellas though in there. Yeah. He wrote all three of the novellas. I, you guys might remember one of the first, just one more things I did was showing you guys that really nice edition of book of the new son that I had. That's oh, yeah, also that's Gene right. Wolf. Yeah. Was that the thousand dollar one or the there's a hundred dollars? No, hundred dollars no. or something like that. But you did mention there was one. Yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a oh shoot I don't remember. it was like two or three grand maybe uh, for w- the one set and then they they sold out those and so they released a I don't know that one was like two fifty or three hundred bucks. Um, the other one was a four volume. That one's a two volume. But man, I'm so glad I got my hands. I didn't have five. So, I didn't have three grand to drop on the other one, which I would have because so they were signed. Grand. Oh my god, I'm remembering. Yeah, that well, they were lower. they were they were signed, and he, I think he died almost right after they were released. And so, I mean, it would be great to have something signed by him. I'll throw um, in that for my money, the most unique and interesting voice in sci-fi was Kurt Vonnegut. Um, is mm. he? I'm not saying is he the same as Kurt Vonnegut, but is he as unique as Kurt Vonnegut is? Oh yeah, definitely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if you like that kind of stuff, and you had me at Cerberus, uh, if I'm saying that right, uh, Cerberus. Mythology, yeah. Yeah. Cerberus. The mythology thing always gets me. That's a that's a big hook for me. Cool. Uh, thank you for that recommendation. Um, I look forward to reading that. And uh, Jim, you have the final. Just one more thing. What have you got? Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I think you can find the audiobook of this on YouTube. I'm not sure. Oh, though. it's out there, just yeah. out there for. Okay, well, Google that for a second if you are a little low on cash or something, uh, and see if that pops up. Cool, thanks, Jim. What have you got for us? Uh, yeah, so I'm into playing video games that are you know older, and uh, I enjoy them for the very first time. Uh, and in this case, I recommend uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. 
uh, it came out in 2015 and it's stunning. I mean, it's a remastered version. I got it, I think, free some months ago um, as part of PlayStation, um, you know, live or uh, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. One of but the I'm, free games they kick out every month. Yeah, and, I, and I'm finally playing it. And I, and I feel like there's two basic approaches to video games, right? There's the one where you buy them when they're hot, fresh off the shelves. You get yourself that PlayStation 5 as soon as you can, you know, yeah, yeah. but uh, and you can enjoy, especially if you like, uh, you know, online play. Right. Because that's usually when they have the most players when a game is first out. Right. But I tend to think of that way is really expensive. Um, or you can wait, you know, and uh, uh, play games that are, you know, that have been out for years like Castlevania. You know, you, there's a lot of simulators and other things mm-hmm. where you can play those games and you pay pennies, uh, you know, dollars usually. But, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot no, less of totally. an expense. I still haven't played Oblivion and everyone oh, uh, tells me that so I have to play good. it. And so that's on my list. Like, OK, I've got to go play Oblivion at some point. So, yeah. yeah, your point is well taken on there. There's always stuff that slips through the cracks, too. And the free games mm-hmm. they kick out. Yeah, some of them are really terrible. And then some of yeah. them have been some of my favorite games that I've ever yes. played. And, and they're totally free. So, yes. point well taken. Piggybacking off what, what Jim said, I, I would recommend the entire Tomb Raider, the modern Tomb Raider series of video games. Uh, they have what they have done with the, this like excuse to put boobs in a video game that was the mm-hmm. original Tomb Raider back in the day. Like what they have managed to create and like mine a story out of it. Yes. it it's breathtaking. It's one of the best I video love. game stories. It's has incredible gameplay. It's they're great games. I and love I when like, any any IP does that, where it starts off as one thing and then it evolves into something like that just uh, totally blows away the original concept and becomes this complex, wonderful thing. There's other games like that uh, and other media too, but uh, that's always such a like treasure when that happens. Yeah, definitely. Neat. Well, I got to play Oblivion, and uh, and then you were saying, what's the title of the game again? Uh, uh, it's, there's it's Tomb called, Raider something. It's called Rise of the Tomb Raider. It's the first one, um, I believe, in that modern. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Devin, because you you uh, know more along this line. But I think the second one is the 2018 Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and that's all the titles, right? So, no, there is there is Tomb Raider, which was in I believe 2013. It's fairly early, 2015 maybe. No, 2009 uh, was was the Tomb Raider. Then there is the Rise of the Tomb Raider and the Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So it's a trilogy. And I believe they're making a fourth one, but it's been delayed. Ah, oh, so I'm playing <laughs> the second one. Okay. So far, the yeah, movies that's... have all been terrible. Um, but I know yeah. they're also coming out with an, or they came out with it. I don't know. But they, there, there was another a reboot one in the works recently that was not terrible. It wasn't as bad as the Angelina Jolie ones, certainly. Um, it was okay. I mean, if you like kind of like semi-generic kind of you know the rock level blockbuster mm-hmm. action you know that kind of thing um it was okay but yeah yeah, yeah. didn't live up to the games I don't video think. game adaptations are so it's so rare that one comes through that's yes. why i think castlevania was just like holy shit like that was really really delivered way well beyond any of my expectations um so anyway uh thank you for all of those recommendations gang um but as you know it has come time I'll miss you most of all. No, you hang up, Dorothy. No, you hang up. 
Okay, so it's come time to, for our co-host send-offs. Uh, Kat, we'll start with you. I'm Gather Ramirez. It's been real. Catch me on Instagram at Kat Ramirez with two Zs. See y'all next time. Look for those two Zs, y'all. Mr. Devin Schwartz. I'm Devin Schwartz. You can find me at Devin Schwartz one on Twitter. And game over, man. Game over. Game over. Yeah, the game is over. And we'll find out next week uh, with the Who Dundies who is going to take home that trophy or if it's a tie. I don't even know. We'll have to calculate that later. I, I believe Devin knows. Okay. Uh, but anyway, we'll get to that next week. Uh, James <laughs> Pepe. I've been James Pepe. Thanks for listening. Uh, look forward to seeing you all back next week. Yeah. Roma. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah. Oh, also, during our recording, my dad sent me a text message that just said chicken funnel. Chicken funnel. Yeah, okay. I don't know what the fuck he's talking right. about. Well, there was chicken sauna or whatever, right? So I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe he it's overheard Estonian. you. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they maybe they turn into chickens because they just they it's a they trick them into cooking themselves in the in the in the sauna. They just come out yeah, as roast chickens. There's something strange there that's worth googling maybe later. If I come up with something weirder, y'all do let me know because that was maybe the the most bizarre thing that was kind of like a just off the wall out of left field seemingly so i would like to think there's some estonian explanation for that explain yourselves estonians email me uh okay and uh gentlemen jim scott uh yeah i'm uh jim scott and uh uh thank you for uh tuning in and take care friends yeah, and it was nice to hear what everyone thought of this one because it was maybe it was maybe one of my favorites, but also definitely the most bizarre one out of many bizarre movies we have seen so far in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, that one took the cake. That said, it is time to go. So this has been I'll Look at Yours if you look at mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And don't forget to watch... Roma 2018 on Netflix for next week's show. Until then, lookers, keep on looking. Mm.